language used by Curtis Sliwa is replete with spoonerisms, malaprops, and fractured phrases, and is not a reflection of the language that you should use in your normal conversations. It is Sliwanics, and a glossary of its words and definitions are posted on WABCRadio.com. Check this out. On the weekend, take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep, and neither does Curtis Lewa on another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Now, to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. Introduction by Tony Orlando without dawn. He knows the pass off, and I guess he had the feel that as I bring you to the break of dawn, back to back, belly and belly, as you know, Saturday mornings from 12 noon to 6. And so good, they let me do it twice. Right now, 12 uh, midnight, or 12 noon to 6. <laughs> I've been going round the clock. 12 midnight to 6, and nobody's going to sleep. Nobody is going to sleep. You heard Tony Orlando. Boy, he was playing some great jams, Broadway Bill Lee, on loan from WCBS FM with his partner, Joe Causey. Have you gotten over the fact that uh, Scott Shannon is not dead? He's just retired. He's still sitting shiver, you and uh, Joe Causey. Come on. Grow up. Grow up. But I'm telling you, when... uh, Tony Orlando, without dawn, started playing the stylistics jams. Wow, I had to, I had to turn it up as I was doing my show prep. And let me tell you, we'll get uh, we'll get some of what I did today early uh, meeting on s- Saturday out of the way, and then we're going to get into some deep, deep discussion about music. Unlike what you heard from uh, Tony Orlando without Dawn for two hours and then Cousin Boosie for four, before that, six to ten, and Vinny Madugno, uh, who is uh, on from five to six. And a change in the lineup in a few hours has got me, Avery, uh, having separation anxiety. They're taking some of my hours because of that Mamalu Frank Morano's always complaining. The Curtis has too many hours. He has too many hours. Oh, my God, if you ever had the people on the air that Frank Morano wanted, uh, this place would go deep six, chapter 11 in a heartbeat. I mean, this guy couldn't pick a good talk show host if his life depended on it. But anyway, coming up is would normally be me uh, sitting there from 3 to 5 in the afternoon. You know what they've done, uh, Broadway Bill Lee? They've told me, hey, 
Just warm up in the bullpen. Warm up Laura Curran. She's going to be on from now on, four to five, followed by Ernie Anastos. Mr. Mr. Smiley Nice Guy never says a bad thing about anybody. I don't know how that's going to make good talk radio, where we're constantly trashing and bashing people. And I understand that uh, ready to replace me from three to four will be that punk Giuliani kid. You know, the one that I try to get uh, to become governor of the state of New York. Oh, what a backstabber he turned out to be. Just like all these politicians. Fairweather friends. Fugazes. So, as the lineup looks in the future, once everything settles down, Sunday afternoons, they don't need me, they said. We don't need you. And you know what? They're so mean, I don't have to tell you. Broadway, Billy and Avery, slowly they turn step by step. First, they'll take one hour. Then they'll take two hours. Then they'll take three hours. Then all of a sudden, I'll be relegated to doing an infomercial at like 3 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I've seen this before. How dare you? That's right. You tell her, Greta. What the hell? They were arresting her in Norway the other day, I think. How dare you put your hands, you you uh, square heads? How dare you? That's right, on Thornburg. How dare you? How dare you? Well, yeah, so good. By the way, uh, we're stuck here with a new phone number. Because um, uh, Dan, our crack engineer, hangs out at Bada Bing, a.k.a. Satin Dolls. Yeah, the strip club in Lodi, where our tower of power is. 50,000 powerful watts of sound. Getting a Brumski and a lap dance all the time. Claiming he's working so hard climbing the tower to knock the ice and the sleet off the discronificator so that you can get the 50,000 powerful watts of sound in 38 states, parts of Canada, a sliver of Europe, and right on down to Davy Jones's locker. So he's claiming that it's a Verizon issue. Oh, it's so easy. Blame Verizon. Blame Verizon, right? Maybe it's because you're too busy getting sexually gratified over there 24-7-365. Focus on your work. So if you want to engage, you got to call 833-969-44. Hank Aaron, 444-47. That's 833-969-44-47. Uh, uh, one more time. You better write it down. You better write it down. 833-969-4447. It's ridiculous. We flipped the script on telephone numbers. I was jamming those numbers uh, 24 hours ago, and I ended up talking to myself, which actually I prefer in many instances. And, boy, are we going to get deep when we do the 50th anniversary of Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon? which is really all about schizophrenia, Uh, something I know a hell of a lot about. I know some of you at times think I'm schizophrenic, but I've dealt with so many people out there in the streets and the subways and the parks clearly show every sign of severe schizophrenia. And this society does absolutely jack diddly squat nothing for them. We'll, We'll get into that. 50th anniversary, 50th anniversary kiss, and this is it, last tour. That's right. Put your tongue right on down to your ankles if you can. Then we have some, uh, I can't believe it, Cindy Adams was interviewing Simmons? You're kidding. What the hell were they doing together? That would be an odd couple. And then, of course, Chaka Khan, Chaka Khan, Chaka Khan, my favorite there. 
As you know, she broke my heart when she goes every year to the annual gathering of Scooby Louis Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam in McCormick uh, Plaza in Chicago. They call it, what is that, uh, Savior's Day. She's always there, front row. They always acknowledge her, Chaka 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 Khan. And she's battling away Mary J. Blige, Adele, Mariah Carey, and she's taking no prisoners. But why are we playing this song, ladies and gentlemen? And why is it that some of you are adjusting your terrestrial radio and haven't quite figured out that even though you can hear it in Delray Beach on a terrestrial radio, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and right out in Bermuda, why not use the much better method of listening as was reported by one of our callers from London in the wee hours of the morning? Remember, 24 24 hours ago, I was having a splendid conversation with my tea and scones over uh, how I had been stabbed up uh, in the Wandsworth, the council estate, and then uh, watched the culprits uh, being put in a lineup in uh, Brixton in London, and then eventually to the Old Bailey, the criminal court. But it was interesting because the gentleman who was calling us was telling us how he was able to hear us crystal clear in Thailand while having the urge to merge, because let's face it, that's why he was in Bangkok. I, I couldn't extract from him. What are you doing in Bangkok? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm just watching the elephants, you know, paint pictures. Sure you are. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you're singing Yule Brenner tunes, you know, the king and I. Yeah, I'm sure. Siam, yeah, 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 sure. Sure you are. You go there for sex. You go there because you don't know if they're men, women, frozen vegetables, transgenders, transvestites, transformers. That's why you go to Bangkok, Sin City. He would not acknowledge that, would he, Broadway Billy? No, 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 no. He had intrepidations. Avery was getting all excited, and I understand that Frank Morano at home was sniffing his Velveeta cheese and was at that point of climaxing. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, that's right. Avery, our... Uh, our uh, phone screener and nighttime producer here has been uh, working. See, I can't say that, uh, can I? Uh, can't say you were slaving away in order to come up with an hour's worth of the funniest uh, hour in all of radio, which is a critique of Frank Morano's 20 hours in the past week, the other side of midnight, the worst side of the best side of midnight, featuring Frank Morano, his, uh, his uh, show... That is uh, now now a national show. Can you believe that? A nationally syndicated show. And what am I doing here scratching my belly? I've been in talk radio 35 years. Who am I syndicated to? Bayonne, New Jersey? Kane, New Jersey, huh? Camden, New Jersey? Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. Oh, and the reason we're playing uh, the Ramones in Rockaway Beach is guess who was missing in action in the Rockaways earlier on Saturday, the start of the almost daily St. Patrick's Day parades throughout the tri-state area in the Rockaways? It's the first. Sid Rosenberg. He's always talking about, oh, yeah, yeah, should see my house in Bell Harbor and the ponds in Rockaway Beach and, of course, Breezy Point. I love it out there. He names all the restaurants. He names all his friends, almost all of whom have vows at the end of their names, Italians instead of Irish. And he was missing in action at the St. Patrick's Day Parade. Not I'm there. The what was that? I'm the man. Yeah, you're the man. 
Where was the man today? What, were you in a hot tub with Eric Adams, swagger man with, with no plan? Now, I did not see the mayor there. Others tell me later on in the day that he uh, made a cameo appearance. If you happen to be out there with your Irish pride along uh, Newport, starting at 130th and marching down to Beach uh, 116th Street, a lot of the Irish out there. Let me know if the mayor ever did show up because I worked that crowd with the Guardian Angels. We went up, down, up, down, up, down. And I was firing them up. So where's Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan? What, he couldn't find the Rockaways? He needed a GPS? Well, well, what the hell? Did he think that it was Jerry Adams, uh, Sinn Féin, that was going to show up? All I know is I was working a crowd, and that's the area that I won overwhelmingly in the uh, election uh, against Eric Adams for mayor. And, boy, it was indicative. About the turnout of the crowd. Boy, they were out there loud and proud. And as I turned to that crowd and I said to them on a regular basis, no matter which grouping I came up to, every year, Slee was here. Hoo-ah. Well, not quite that much. And then I had my shillelagh. I was looking for leprechauns and I was kissing the Blarney Stones. Yes, I was paying tribute to the Irish. If you happen to be out there in the Rockaways, Rockaway Beach, Naponset, if you happen to be coming in from nearby Broad Channel, maybe even Howard Beach, uh, or out there in Breezy Point, I didn't see the mayor. I saw his entourage there, a guy named Tony Herbert, who was like uh, his lead guy there holding the banner. Hey, say, where was the mayor? Oh, uh, he'll be. I said, he's in Red Hook. I know he's in Red Hook. The DTs ratted him out, the detectives. How come he's late? No answers, no answers. So I just worked that crowd, worked it up and down and all around. I had a really good time there in the Rockaways earlier today. Our number is 833-969-4447. Let's test out this uh, this newfangled phone line system that apparently uh, Verizon has sabotaged on us all here at WABC. 833-969-4447. And I must tell you, as I arrived in the Rockaways quite early, coming from the um, overnight program that I had finished uh, taking you to the break of dawn, hanging out there at Beach 116th Street, last stop of the uh, train, coming in as it does, Broad Channel is where the uh, shuttle train comes in. It either goes to Mott Avenue, Far Rockaway, or to Beach 116th Street, and always, as we pass about 98th, Beach 98th, I pay tribute to the old Rockaway Playland. I loved it so much. But I also reminded everybody, because let's face it, I'm a hell of a lot older now than a lot of the people I'm talking to who gather around and say, hey, you know, in Broad Channel, used to be an unincorporated area. They had a toll plaza there. You used to drive through Broad Channel in order to get to the Rockaways. You had to pay a toll. And by the way, years and years ago, you took the subway. You had to get off the train at Broad Channel and pay an additional fare to go the rest of the way. Either east towards uh, Mott Avenue, Far Rockaway, where you had all the bungalows out there. A lot of the Jews would be there in the summer. Or you uh, went uh, west towards uh, Breezy Point, and you got off at Beach 116th Street, where obviously that was the Irish Riviera, the Irish Enclave. Oh, was so good. I wanted to stop it. I wanted to see the old bathhouse there at... Uh, by the way, let's see if anybody's paying attention. 
What bathhouse am I talking about? And hey, I'm not talking about a bathhouse that gay uh, men would be frequenting or Bette Midler out there with whatever the hell her her uh, piano player's uh, name is. You know, from Brooklyn, the guy, if he gets another facelift, his face is going to snap like an old, uh, old rubber band. Our number is 833-969-4447. That's 833-969-4447. I hate you, Verizon, with a passion. You messed it up, right? Notice, who pays the price? Me. Everybody else, right? You know, they're, they're having, like, guest after guest after boring guest. <laughs> mailing in, mailing in. Well, it was a love fest here. Cudlow, uh, when I left here, Cudlow was here dressed all in green. And who was he on? He was on Kenny, Kelly and Conway. Who uh, just uh, had a divorce filed against her? She filed against that uh, piece of work she's married to from uh, Alpine, where nobody seems to have an address. Man, this guy's a freak. Damn right he is. That guy lives to torch Donald Trump. What a freaky deaky marriage that was. And anyway, uh, she made finally an appearance with Sid Rosenberg in the morning. Sid Rosenberg and all of his friends. Except for me, I'm a fiend and I'm a foe. By the way, Sid Rosenberg was missing in action in the Rockaways today from the annual St. Patrick's Day Parade. That's right. I'll remind him infinitum. Oh, I hate myself. Yeah, you should. As I'm on uh, with Sid every uh, Wednesday, Tuesday, no, make that Monday, Wednesday, Friday for uh, 7.05. Oh, God. Got a spot. Looked out at the ocean, Zom Beach, 116th Street. Walked over to the boardwalk, and I said, yeah. That's why I always liked the Rockaways much better than Coney Island, Brighton Beach, Manhattan Beach, Plum Beach, South Beach. It's just so much better being out in the Rockaways. You get that Atlantic Ocean coming in, clean sand, the air is clear. It's just, it's refreshing, it's reviving. Get out and play and do the jiggle wiggle. And everybody was offering me hooch drinking. Somebody almost put me in a hammer move and forced that liquor down my throat. Yeah, you remember I got chronic Crohn's disease. That could be set off in a nanosecond. That's what I was saying about Eric Adams, Swagger Man with No Plan. Hey, where's the mayor, huh? By the way, I need to know, because Noam Layden, our news director, was here and refused to find out if, in fact, the mayor had been at the parade in Rockaway. Somebody sent me a picture. It was like a sad sack picture. Looked like the mayor. I couldn't actually completely make it out. Had his head down, and he was petting a bulldog that was dressed all in green. I had to assume that was the Rockaways, but... Boy, he was a dollar short and a day late. I mean, we generally march at the end of every parade because you should. You shouldn't be marching in the front where all the politicians are just trying to steal, you know, steal the thunder. They haven't done jack diddly squat, and yet they get to march in the front of the parade. That's a no-no. They should be walking in the back. With uh, guys from the sanitation department who have the pooper scoopers who are picking up whatever remnants have been left by the police, uh, the police-ridden horses. 
who generally lead each and every parade. Our number is 833-969-4447. That's 833-969-4447. It's another side of midnight. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. Shamrock tattoos as they jump around. Oh, they were jumping around. Yeah. Jump around. Jump up, jump up and get down. This is like, for me, synonymous with every St. Patrick's Day parade all through the march. All through the month of March. Yeah, like stacked up sometimes, four, five, six a day. In just a few hours, it'll be up Forest Avenue where the AOH, ancient order of Ivernians, don't want gays, lesbians, or transgenders. You figure, man, that is so passe composé. I remember being in Dublin uh, in the 90s, and they were having the St. Patrick's Day parade, and it was somewhat disappointing. It wasn't that large. The mayor was uh, named Fagan, a Jewish guy, and there were gay and lesbians uh, in that parade. And yet, back then, they weren't allowing gay and lesbians uh, to be in the Fifth Avenue Day Parade, the biggie. I scratched my head and said, hmm. And I was in Kulak, uh, Bally Fairmont, Finlock. Oh, yeah. They love America over there. Everybody comes running up to you. Hey, you know my cousin? And it ain't Vinny, that's for sure. You know my cousin, Sean? He works at the 46th Precinct. He said, no, I don't know, Sean. Oh, you know him. You know him. Oh, they love it. You go to Dublin there, they fly American flags. They fly Irish flags because half of them have roots. Where? In the Rockaways in Pearl River, Spring Lake. Up in McLean Avenue. It divides Yonkers. From Woodlawn, Little Dublin, Westerly, Staten Island. Oh, they were jumping around me. We were having a good old time. But on my way in, we came in off the Bell Parkway, Flatbush Avenue by Floyd Bennett Field, and then over the bridge. It, oh, it used to be the Marine Park Bridge, right? What do they call it? The Gil Hodges Bridge now? I don't know. And then we passed the beach there, and I'm having a tough time remembering the beach and the beach house there. Why that beach house isn't open, I don't understand. Um, bath house, beach house, whatever they call it. 
I know for a long time they had the little nudist colony there on the beach. Bay 1 and Bay 2 was the gay guys. They were rolling out their tar paper. Why is it I forgot the name of the beach? Man, you don't forget that when you're walking on the boardwalk there and all of a sudden you see all nudies in one bay. Then you walk uh, to the second bay and it's all these gay guys rolling out their tar paper. That's something you will remember until the ends of time. And here it is, ladies and gentlemen, I'm struggling. I'm struggling. What beach am I talking about? 833-969-4447 with probably the world's largest parking lot. 833-969-4447. And then on my way back past Fort Tilden, right, the old federal fort there. Used to have missile batteries there. That's right, missiles that were supposed to be intercepting the dreaded SAM missiles of the old Soviet Union during the Cold War. And I could easily see how Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, would say, let's put some illegal aliens in Fort Tilden, huh? That'll scare up the Irish out there. Fort Tilden? Really? You would do something like that? Of course he would. It's costing us $5 million a day for illegal aliens. And they keep coming. They're not only coming from south of the border, from Mexico to Texas. Next stop, courtesy of Catholic Charities, using our federal tax dollars. Next stop, Nueva York. And now they're coming into Canada, too. They're Mexicanos. They have like an easy pass to Canada. And then they're coming through the border, right into Bernie Sanders land, Vermont. And I noticed the uh, Bernie, the outer cocker Sanders, is not welcoming him into their uh, into his summer home there on Lake Champlain, is he? No, 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 no. God, what is up with our phone lines, man? I'm gonna kill Verizon. What is it, man? I I don't know what it is. I I, I want to strangle our head engineer here, Dan. I just know he's being pleasurized at Bada Bing at. Uh, what did he call that? Satin dolls. That's right. Thought I was losing. Well, 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 what beach am I talking about? Why am I struggling to come up with the name of a beach that I remember as a teenager on my way to Breezy Point? You know, that's a place you can't go. It's like uh, apartheid. You're not from there. They don't let you in. Well, actually, after Superstorm Sandy, they let anybody in. But before that, if you were an Irish, you could forget about it. You need not apply. But there was a magnificent beach, and I remember as a teenager walking on that boardwalk. Bay one, they were all buck nude. I mean, they were just laying out there like there was no tomorrow. I said, where are their clothes? And Joey Beans Bianchino said, yeah, that, that's the nude section. What? And then next to that, there were all these guys uh, sort of... Uh, Stroking one another right out there in the open. And I'm like, what are they, pole vaulting? Practicing for the Olympics? What the hell is this? Well, that's the gay section there. What do you mean sections? What is it? So if all of a sudden the other sections were full, it was crowded, I wouldn't be able to go to the first section unless I took all my clothes off, and I wouldn't be able to go to the second section unless I was practicing pole vaulting without a pole. Yeah. The hell, man? Why am I struggling here? Just the beginning of the end. First struggle. First sense of dementia, Alzheimer's. 
Could be. Hey, it happens to sometimes you have people super sharp. They're like a Xerox copy machine. And then the next day, they stun God. Hey, could happen. Could have. Then you need the ginkgo. You need the ginkgo to get that memories, uh, memory going. Hey, Avery, this is a young huckleberry here. Uh, you, hey, Broadway Bill Lee, when you go down, you know, to check on your condo with Warner Wolf, your very dear friend playing shuffleboard down in Fort Myers. Is that a full moon? Sounds like my wife, Nancy, Lone Wolf One. You know, whenever there's a full moon, Nancy goes into the middle of Central Park. She, like, bays at the moon. I kid you not. She bays at the moon. She gets uh, on one of those rocks. She goes up there. She's looking up at the moon. You, you don't see any stars, all the pollution. You know, you got to go way upstate. And then all of a sudden, she's baying at the moon like a like a wolf. Yeah. That's why your nickname is Lone Wolf One. Man, weird. I see what I got to deal with. I'm sitting there in the house, and then all of a sudden she goes, I'll be right back. I said, where are you going? All the stores are closed. I'll be right back. Next thing I know, I hear in the distance, it's a wolf call. I mean, the coyotes are coming down from Westchester. They're coming down from New Jersey, Saddle River, because they hear Nancy doing a wolf call. Our number is 833-969-4447. That's 833-969-4447. I need help. I've actually forgotten the name of that beach. I, I passed it a million times. It's like got the world's largest parking lot that nobody ever uses. Let's go to Paul, who's calling from Howard Beach. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Paulie. It's called Reese Park Beach. That's right. What do you think that is, Paulie? I must have passed that a thousand times. Why, why all of a sudden am I not? Why, why am I stung God on this? I don't know. Now, Paul, Paul, have you ever been uh, to Reese Park, Reese Beach? Have you ever been there? Yeah, I've been there, yep. All right. Was it shocking the first time you saw Bay 1, all the nudes, Bay 2, all the gay guys pole vaulting? Everything that you said is true. Now, what about the bathhouse there, right? Now, I realize they closed that bathhouse, uh, beach house, whatever they call it. It's old-fashioned. You know, it's like probably came about before the Depression. What goes on in there? It's like being empty forever, right? I, I, I don't know. I think they're going to rebuild it and uh, rehabilitate it, but... Whether they do that or not, I don't know. Oh, my we say. My Quantumai, when, when, when are they going to rebuild it? Are you kidding? Did you see? It costs a million dollars for one freaking turlet in a park. A million dollars. <laughs> when I was housed in Rikers, I had a better toilet in an 8 by 4 foot cell than what I saw in the pictures. A million freaking dollars. $200,000 to the company that makes this bathroom. And then they tell us it'll be $800,000 to install it. No show jobs. Feather bedding jobs. A guy like uh, Bill Lee will hold the wrench. Avery will hold uh, a little pail of, uh, of screws. And they get paid triple overtime, right? Platinum time. Can you imagine this? A freaking turlet costs a million dollars. It's the New York way. 
New York way, put a port of sand there, right? How many times you've been in concerts, you've been at events. Okay, it's a little stinky. You got to hold your nose. Oh my God, it stinks in here. But that, that hastens your departure because if it was nice in there. If it was uh, aromatic, if all of a sudden it smelled like flowers, you'd probably be in there shooting up drugs, smoking a bong, you know, a million things. But when the, when the, the port of sand stinks, you go in and you get you get the hell out of there, right? <laughs> That's true. A million dollars. Where the hell do they have a gold the gold to charge us a million dollars for a toilet in a park that you know is going to be vandalized, that the homeless are going to take over, you're going to put a hibachi grill in there, and you're going to have a little Mexican woman sm- selling churros from inside there. <laughs> we all know this, right, Paul? That's how we do it. It is, it is the way. And, and they say it with a straight face. Oh, well, we have just uh, signed a contract for f- five modern turlets that we're going to be putting in the park system of New York City. I said, yeah, that'll last all of two days. They'll torch that baby. You know, it'll be burn, baby, burn. You know, Black Lives Matter now. Big, large mansions. You'll have Hawk Newsom saying, hey, I couldn't burn a building down. But I'll burn that freaking white man's toilet down. <laughs> Telling you, Paul, I'm sure there are a number of uh, sanitation engineers uh, right there in Howard Beach, uh, where you live. They'd be more than happy to get that contract, right? Oh, that's right. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if they have it already. Yeah, the no-show jobs at 10 Goldbricks sitting there in their lawn chairs getting paid triple time, platinum time, on our taxpayers' dime. Oh, the frustration, the frustration, my, my. Freaking million dollars for a toilet. You know, Saddam Hussein had a 100 palaces from, uh, what was it, Madras? Yeah, Madras to, uh, to Baghdad. I got a hundred palaces. Every one of them had a gold turlet, solid gold turlet. And I bet you it didn't cost a million dollars. And he would put his tuchus on a gold. What? What? Does it actually, does it make the experience that much better if you're sitting on a porcelain palace that's made of gold? You know, one thing I want to do before uh, I die in this life, I got to be able to accomplish squat and sit on a gold porcelain palace, you know, with the seat like 100% gold. I mean, that that would be like the, the, the I mean, I, it doesn't get any better than that, right? You know, you're at a cocktail party, you say, well, "What were you doing earlier today?" I, I was actually sitting in a in a, in, a, in a gold on a gold porcelain palace. I felt like king. I felt like Saddam Hussein, especially when he got choked. I know, Miss. Eight three three nine six nine four 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 seven. Hey, Bush forty three. How did that work out? Invading Iraq for weapons of mass destruction. We're still waiting for that. Bush forty three. Let's go to Carol in Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Carol. Hi. Uh, I just wanted to make a comment. Every job doesn't it go out to bid? And five million was the least of the amount, the quotes that they received? Uh, Carol, you know what this is. This is a quid pro quo. You scratch my belly, I scratch yours. It's all kickbacks here. The vendors kick back 
to the people who ended up signing the contracts, whatever they were in the administration, uh, and then they kick it up top, right, right to uh, whoever was in charge of this in the Eric Adams administration. It's all kickbacks, all kickbacks. Well, you, Sam, have five days, and I enjoy your expressions, cuando my, everything else. So, and uh, there's all other bodies expressions we could use for this. Now, let me ask you a question, Carol. Do you think it's appropriate to bring up the Italians on a day like today, the start of the 10,854 St. Patrick's Day parades that go on in the month of March? Yes, I do. Because <laughs> I'm Italian, and I make very good... Uh, Corn beef and cabbage. Oh, you do. Oh, you do. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so you, you, you're trying we're to. We're actually the same age. We're, I was born in '54, so we're really paisans. Oh, very good. Now, what do you think of this woman, who an absolute berserk in Pennsylvania? She goes to a pizzeria there, and she's uh, looking at the TV. She's 55 year old Rita Bella. She says, "Hey, well, what do you got Channel 41 on over there? Why, why are they talking Spanish? This is America." Why don't you have on, you know, like Channel 7, Channel 4, Channel 2? And all of a sudden, the guy behind the counter says, uh, what would you like? She goes, F you. Turn the channel. I want to see an English language program on there when I'm eating my pizza. Either that or give me my freaking money back because I'm not giving my money to some illegal alien uh, stations that are promoting more illegal aliens coming into the country. And, you know, they took her out in chains and shackles. Do you know that, Carol? Well, I think her reaction is a bit much. You know, you don't like it, you leave. That's all. You say what you have to say, but you don't get like a box and, yeah, you know. Well, she had a, uh, she wanted that. a slice. She wanted a slice and a Coke. You know what it's like. You pay for your slice and a Coke. You want a slice and a Coke. And while you're eating right. your slice and a Coke, you don't want to be watching Channel 41 and 47. You know, with all the things that are going on in the world, this is like, you know, she could get up and she could leave. She don't like it, you know. Um, if they had an Italian station on, would she get crazy too? Hell yes, she sounded like she would. She yeah, sounded like thought, she so wanted to watch <laughs> Channel Seven Eyewitness News. You know, when a person has that look in their eye, and you look in their eyes, and then you can't see anything in their eyes, you know they're gone, right? You know they're like, oh yeah, they're psycho. Turn the channel. I would have told the guy behind the counter, "Hey, Pedro." Unless you want to be deported by this woman, if I were you, I would turn the channel to Channel 7 <laughs> Eyewitness News. Well, you know, we, we today, different world than when we grew up. Yeah, okay, we they, didn't they, have it easy they, they took, either. They took, her out, they took her out in chains and shackles. What is this? Wasn't that free speech? She frequented the pizza parlor, right? She got a slice and a Coke. She just said, I don't want to watch in Channel 4147. She wanted Channel 7. <laughs> I would have looked at Psycho Lady there and I would have said, would you put on freaking Channel 7 Eyewitness News because she's going to tear this pizzeria up. And I don't know about you. I'm not going to go out there and do combat with a woman, Mortal Kombat. Our numbers, Carol. There, she's trying to talk Italian. Yeah, uh, what? What is all month long? You can't. You can't even mention for Lent. You got to give up speaking Italian dialect. The Irish will get very upset.
What did my oldest son do, Anthony? He came with me in the Guardian Angels. He had kilts on. I couldn't believe it. He had a bagpipe. He's telling everybody he's 100% Irish. I said, my quantum I. Oh, sorry. Got to speak Gaelic all the month of March. Pack it up, pack it in. Let me begin. Pack in the wind. Battle me, that's a sin. I won't ever slack up. Punk, you better back up. Try and play the role and you're the whole crew will act up. Get up, stand up. Come on, throw your hands up. If you got the feeling, jump across the ceiling. Monsters are bumped up. Someone's fucking jump. So a guy named Jack Cole was standing there on 127th in Newport today, right before the parade started. Again, Eric Adams, swagger man, no plan. Couldn't see him anywhere around. And I said to myself, I know that it's all about the swagger. Shut up. Somebody sent me a picture of him with his head down, petting some kind of bulldog all dressed in green. Had to be out there in the Rockaways. So anyway, I'm a guy named Jack Cole, and he goes, St. Matthews. We both went to St. Matthews. I said, when did you go, 1898? Man, this guy looked old. Then I was in your class. I said, oh. I said, who's the teacher? Sister Ruth. Hey, yeah, that was my first grade teacher, Sister Ruth. And I said to Jack, this was the litmus test. I said, Jack. If you were uh, taught by the Josephite nuns, the Irish nuns, what did you write down on the test when it said, who discovered the new world? And right without hesitating, without blinking, he said, St. Brendan's the Navigator. I knew that he had gone to St. Matthew's and he was in Sister Ruth's class that I was in. In 1960, first grade there, Utica Avenue, Eastern Parkway, Lincoln Place. I need my music, please. Because Jack Cole must have been like uh, 182 years old. And he right away said, St. Brendan the Navigator. I say, yeah, yeah, you see, they brainwashed you, right? And if I put Christopher Columbus down, right, uh, that would be it. Brainwasher, man. St. Brendan the Navigator. I said to the nuns, Who, who's St. Brendan the Navigator? How dare you? Then they hit me so hard, my mother felt the vibrations. Francesca, oh, I can't say that. That's Italian. I got to tell you, you know, the history of Italians and Irish, not that good. Italians and Jews, copacetic. Italians and Irish, not so good. And uh, Irish and Jews, not so good. Our number is 833-969-4447. Man, Verizon, if you don't fix these phone lines, I'm going to come. And Mr. Verizon, I'm going to take you out, whoever you are out there. 833-969-4447. It's another side of midnight. 77 WABC. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. Pipes, the pipes are calling 
Ah, the pipes. I had a little phlegm uh, out in the Rockaways, you know, a little too much salt water. And they gave me, um, I guess you can call it like liquid Drano to clean the pipes, that's for sure. I think it was Jameson, whatever the hell it was. It almost knocked me on my tuchus. And he said, uh, drink. Your friend of the Rockaway Sleeper, we voted for you overwhelmingly. And they did. I must tell you, when I did the analytics and I looked at the vote tallies from Breezy Point to Naponset to uh, Bell Harbor, where uh, Sid, Mr. Rockaway, was missing in action. Rockaway, Rockaway Beach. Broad Channel, and yeah, even in Howard Beach with all of my enemies there. I overwhelmingly won that area in the mayoral election against Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan. And I noticed uh, that the Irish honored my request that they not play Danny Boy around me because I said to them, hey, this is a Protestant song, man. They'll be singing this in the streets of Belfast and Derry on the Protestant side while they're wearing orange. Looking to hang some Catholics. You know, like they hang the Sicilians down in New Orleans, uh, 11 Sicilians, and Frank Morano, that creditor, that, that cheech, said out of anybody he could ever have a dinner with in his life, dead or alive, wasn't even going to be William Shatner, Captain Kirk, it was going to be Teddy Roosevelt, who when asked by the New York Times, what do you think of them hanging 11 Sicilians down in New Orleans? Right outside of the cathedral there, and what is that, Jackson Hole, Jackson Square. Said they should have hung more. Well, what the hell? What is wrong with you, Frank? So I told all the Irish, do not play Danny Boy. That was uh, a Protestant song. Protest- Irish Protestant song. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the Irish Protestant. You know, Ronnie Reagan, he was, uh, I know, I just started the Ronald Reagan Club. In that story, you had to do battle with AOC, all our crazy Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and all the little mini-me's in the Democratic Socialists of America Party. And yeah, there was uh, Bill Clinton. Yeah, he was uh, he was uh, Protestant, uh, Protestant Irish, a uh, whole bunch of them. And of course, there was the famous McCormick. You know what McCormick was, ladies and gentlemen? He owned the New York Daily News. And the Chicago Tribune and WGN, both the radio station and the super station, the TV station. And he would never hire Roman Catholic Irish. Never. He would hire anybody, but never a Roman Catholic Irishman or Irish woman. He'd hire Jews. He'd hire Italians. He'd even hire Sicilians first. He hated them. He loathed them. He despised them. And ultimately, look at what happened. And as my father said, he used to listen in the morning to WGN, the powerful talk station in Chicago. And in the morning, McCormick himself would take to the airwaves and he would do an editorial aimed at the farmers in Wisconsin and Minnesota and Illinois and Indiana in the heartland of America. And he would say, can you believe this? Can you believe this? There, there are guys and gals working in Chicago a 40-hour week. That's un-American. Look at all of you farmers out there. You're working seven days a week. You can never leave the farm. Your work is never done. You're the backbone of America. And you know uh, what their reaction is, my daddy said. 
They packed up their bags, they sold the farm, and they said, we're going to Chicago to get a job, so we only have to work five days a week, a 40-hour week, and we'll join the union, too. <laughs> Take that, McCormick, you dirty rat. How many, how many Irish Roman Catholics I met could not get a job at the New York Daily News because they were Irish Roman Catholics? And when the McCormick family owned the Daily News along with the Chicago Tribune, there was a policy, Irish Catholics need not apply. And people would say to him, aren't you Irish? He said, I'm the right kind of Irish. Anyway, let's go to Jack, who's calling from Brooklyn. Uh, your turn to be heard here at WABC, Jack. Hi, Curtis. Curtis, you started telling the story once when you were locked up in the Detroit House of Detention the brothers were throwing their feces in their urine at you. Was that because, what was the reason for that? Because you were a white guy locked up in there with them? First off, it is called DHOC, the Detroit House of Corrections. It used to be way out in the cornfield, so they put you on the, on the jail bus and they take you out there. And you see all cornfields. And then you go into this um, old, old jail that they've just uh, knocked down. Uh, and they processed me, and most of the COs, the correctional officers, the screws were black, and uh, almost all the inmates were black. And so, man, they were going to give me a blanket party at night, and they couldn't get into the cell. I was in an 8 by 4 foot cell that, uh, believe it or not, originally Jesse James, the bank robber, had been locked up in briefly after he had robbed a bank uh, outside of Detroit uh, almost a century before that. And what they did instead is they gave me defecation education. They would pass by with buckets. And instead of going to the turlet, and trust me, the turlets there were stainless steel, uh, they would throw it at you, and then the correctional officer, the school, would come by and look in the cell and say, oh, Mr. Sleeve, I see you had an accident this morning, uh, assuming that I had the runs or something, uh, when in fact he knew they were giving me defecation education. But you know something, Jack? I never complained. I never said anything. I said, hey, if Bobby Sands and the IRA and Long Cash could be stuck in a cell uh, where they're on a hunger strike, where they're basically taking their own human feces and writing on the walls, death to the king, death to the queen... It's a little that I could do with the 10 days that I was stuck in the Detroit House of Corrections. What do you think of that, Jack? Okay. What do you think? Ah, yeah, what that, do you think? Ah, that, Jack? that explains the, uh, that, that's the story. Okay, I, I heard the full story. Well, well you see now, Jack, heard. now you'd have an inmate who gets uh, uh, <laughs> defecation education. We claim that they got Ebola, the fleft flesh-eating virus. They claim that they got, you know, salmonella. I've always been looking at Tango with salmonella and Bensonhurst, uh, that they get all kinds of diseases that they wouldn't be able to recover from. And then they'd be suing, 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 suing. So, Jack, now you know the rest of the story of my 10 days in Dehawk. Because I stood up to a man named Coleman Young. Mayor there was King Coleman Young. And he said, you can't come into my city without my permission. And I say, hey, buddy, this is America. I can go wherever the hell I want to go. And he said, yeah, I got a place where you're going to go. It's called D-Hawk. And I was out there. I'm in that uh, I'm in that jail bus. And I'm looking at scarecrows in the middle of a cornfield and saying, can't be too bad. Whoa. Ho, ho, ho. 
Let me tell you, Eminem, Slim Shady, 8 Mile, here I come. There were like no white boys in those cells there in D-Hawk. Feet don't fail me now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On the weekend, take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep and neither does Curtis Lewa on another side of midnight. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. Woodstock song written was going to be performed by Joni Mitchell at Woodstock and she couldn't get there because a half a million strong had clogged up the New York State Thruway in the summer of 69 and it was three days of incredible music people smoking ragweed at that time swallowing around in the mud because it was raining so often. And yet there are people who have returned so many years later to recall what a great time they had at Woodstock. Well, the reason I'm playing this song song, is because uh, I believe it'll be in uh, either April or May of this year that Neil Young 
part of that great team of Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young, David Crosby just having passed. Remember, he came in with that great uh, song for my version of The Other Side of Midnight, The Best Side of Midnight. And uh, he was commenting about Woodstock, in which he said, I couldn't believe this, that it was the one song that he wishes that he could have done differently. Referring to the song Woodstock, he said, you should have heard Stills' original vocal. It was amazing. Stephen Stills. We were just hung up on making everything perfect, so we all thought that we had to do it again, but we didn't. I mean, his overdub vocal is great. That's the one everybody hears, and it's a great vocal. But the original vocal was funky, like the guitar is funky. We finished the record, and I didn't realize until later on. But when I heard the original vocal again, we screwed up. We were trying to be just too good. We tried. Big Bummer never should have done that. And then he uttered these words of Neil Young wisdom. You shouldn't try. I think you should just let it be. Hey, wasn't that a Beatles song, Let It Be, right? Then you got the essence of what it is. And if you're trying to do something you think you should be doing, you've lost it already. Now, I have no idea what the hell that means. But apparently people have said, oh, that's words of brilliance. I would love for somebody to be able to decipher that, bisect it, dissect it, and maybe even interpret it. Because I'm a little dense. I don't necessarily understand what Neil Young is saying there. And as you know, I love Neil Young because I took sides with Neil Young against Spotify. Against that muscle head, that podcaster, Joe Rogan. Remember how I sided with not only Neil Young and Joni Mitchell when they broke ranks and they said, Oofah to Spotify. I joined uh, with Stephen Sills, who was from uh, Dallas. Graham Nash, who was from England. And of course, the now departed David Crosby was from L.A. And I said, I'm down with CSNY and Joni Mitchell. And as a result of that spat, guess what? Joe Rogan ended up doubling his salary. He makes like $3 million now. <laughs> anyway, let's try out these new phone lines from Verizon. Or maybe it's not Verizon. That's why I want to go and strangle Mr. Verizon if ever I find him. 833-969-4447. That's 833-969-4447. Now, ladies and gentlemen, with uh, Neil Young finally going back out on tour, he wasn't planning to do it, pretty much hung it up at the time of the lockdown and pandemic. And remember, he was the believer in the vaccines. He was the believer in the lockdown, social distancing, masking up, as opposed to Joe Rogan, who obviously... Uh, was not a believer in that and also got uh, into the conspiratorial side of what could work and what couldn't work. But do we really believe, that based on what Neil Young is saying, that the only song that Neil Young has ever regretted doing in the manner that it came out is this one right here, Woodstock. Our number is 833-969-4447. That's 833-969. Four 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 seven. Hey, look at it. Look at that. Every not one phone call. 
I'm telling you, man, Verizon's screwing us. Right? Normally, I breathe, and people start calling up and wanting to explain what my exhale sounded like this morning as opposed to 24 hours ago on that morning. This place is falling apart, man. And, you know, if I wasn't paranoid and schizophrenic like I am, we're going to be talking about that with Pink Floyd. Yeah, it's their 50th anniversary of not the group getting together, but the album that is most synonymous with dealing with <sighs> crawling into the belly of the beast when you develop schizophrenia and other mental diseases that just deteriorate and destroy you as a human being. Dark side of the moon. At least when I've listened to it. And by the way, it was not uh, with the aid of LSD, Dr. Timothy Leary's LSD, as so many people have listened to it over and over and over again, Dark Side of the Moon. And by the way, uh, it was, uh, what, the National Pig Day a few days ago. So did we see a pink pig flying over when uh, Pink Floyd was playing Dark Side of the Moon? Our number is 833-969-4447. That's 833-969-4447. Couldn't believe it as I was doing my show prep. It was a blast from the past. This uh, greasy-haired uh, Gavon, this kid, Mike Good Gunzelman. Yeah, he used to be here when uh, Imus in the morning uh, would have the best of Imus, which was really the worst of Imus for eight weeks. And Imus would demand that uh, Mike Gunzelman do the intros to the same damn interview that people had heard like 25 different times. And Noam Layden was the news guy. It was like the worst morning news show I've ever heard in my life. Oftentimes I'd say, let me go in there and do a morning show. I've done it so many times. Oh, no, 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 no. I miss one's best of, which is really worst of. Eight weeks a year. It almost single-handedly destroyed this thing that we love. But anyway, I saw him with Don Boncino on Fox News. That should have been me. He was doing the hot takes with the greasy uh, kid stuff in his hair. Whoa, 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 what is this, Broadway Billy? Uh, I, there I was with Hannity the other night, right? People were like, oh, high five, and yeah, man, you were like, on. And they put on this guy, this JV guy, Michael Gunsman, Gunselman, or what was his name again? I forget. Person of no consequence. All I know is he took, took away some of my FaceTime, right? My lens slice time. 1 800. Make that. See that? I keep repeating the old number. I'm, uh, I gotta kill Verizon, Mr. Verizon. 833-969-4447. Love Neil Young. Love Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Love Joni Mitchell. And I continue to assist them in their battles against Spotify. Anyway, let's go, if we can, to Mitch, who's calling all the way from Virginia. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mitch. Yeah, Curtis, you got to get your Crossfield Nash Young music straight. Neil Young wasn't even at Woodstock. He wasn't part of the group until the second album. Wait, wait, hold on a second. Are you trying to say that he was not? He wasn't there because, what's his name, Dave Crossy comes on the stage at the the Woodstock 
on the album and the movie. He says, we're scared. This is the first time we're together, and we're scared, blah, blah, blah. You know, the word, I can't say it on the air. We're scared crapless. All right, so yeah. let, let's get it straight. When they went into the studio to cut Woodstock, um, that's the song, yeah, but he wasn't even in Woodstock. Oh, okay. He wasn't at Woodstock. Okay, all right, all right, all right. You got me, Mitch. You got me, Mitch. Uh, maybe I didn't make myself. Okay, and I got an album of David Crosby, and everybody got Yorma on there, Jerry Garcia, Joni Mitchell, uh, everybody but in, in the band of Crosby and Nash, he doesn't have stills on it. So he must have not been buddies with it. And then guess what his, his album, the name of the album was? Because I can't even remember my name. No, 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 you, you, you got me on that. I, I implied uh, you're absolutely correct that Neil Young was at, no, at, at I'm, I'm Woodstock. I'm six years younger than you. I'm six years younger than you. I know. No, hold on, say. Now are you going to try to take this one from I me, you, Mitch? Hey, hey, another thing. You keep talking about the, the, your your uh, election. You say stuff about Trump. You keep every show. You just keep going about what the thing. The guy that, 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 that's a Hollywood guy. That's in, in the mayor of New York now. The Hollywood guy. You mean, you mean you mean Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan? Yeah, whatever. He Let's thinks see, he's a Hollywood you know guy. I, know that the way he was <laughs> I lived in New York all my life. I had to get out of there. Okay? I got tired of playing all that crap. And everybody taking over the whole thing. And nobody can say anything. Okay? Now, let me let me let me ask you a question. Now, you you consider yourself a fan of David Crosby? Yeah. Why you got something on me? No, no, not you. I I want you to listen a little bit to this song that he he customized for me. Now, don't bust my bubble and say that he didn't write this in honor of this show. I'm not, I'm not like a diehard, like a like a like a nerd type of. I'm just saying that Neil Young wasn't part of it. And he, he, you know, what he, what he do? He, he, uh, came up with the line, he bought the line on trains and stuff. And then he had a lot of crap to say about America, but he, he's not even a citizen. So who are you talking right? about? Who? Neil Young. Oh, yeah, no, no. We've gone beyond Neil Young and Joni Mitchell. We're talking about a real American, Dave Crosby, who came from LA. I want you to listen to the first few lines of the song. And don't bust my bubble here, Ben Mitch, because I know he wrote this song for my. That's what bothered me. The last couple of weeks, I listened at night. I'm like, he's talking about the uh, Crosby, Miller, Ashley Young. I'm like Neil Young, and I'm like, oh yeah, you keep talking about the first album too, the Marrakesh Express. And I'm like, Neil Young was being part of that first album. Man, you 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 like you you really like you're tearing it up this morning, Mitch. You're tearing it up, man. You're, I know you're breaking my heart, dear Mitch. It irks me. That's why. Oh, it irks you. You you got you got all your stuff about New York and everything, but if one comes to rock and roll, you got to get it back together here. So, and now hold on a second. Hold on a second. So, because. <laughs> I misidentified uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young as being on the stage at Woodstock. There was no Neil Young. You are correct. I should have uh, been more specific about him being in the studio to cut the song, which eventually uh, became a very popular. Yeah, you should play that, that song. If you like to write the harmonies, you should play that song, uh, Guinevere. They just... Thing. There's like no music in it. One of you. We will definitely do that, but I want you to just listen to this David Crosby song. And please don't bust my bubble. 
I want to go no, to no, my I just, grave. I, just to tell you that. I know, but I want to go to my grave believing that David Crosby wrote this in honor of my, the best side of the other side of midnight. Listen to it. That's where you got the, your idea from. Go ahead. That's where you got the idea from. I, I want to believe that, Mitch, but you're not going to bust my bubble on this either, are you? Yeah, you keep talking about the other guy too. That does the, the other side of midnight. The, the, oh, that's the, the snobby one. Yeah, the snobby one. The you snobby got that? Guy. Yeah, he's yeah. It, he, he 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 doesn't take. Any kind of constructive criticism, Mitch. He, he backstabs you. He backstabs you, and then he front and then he front stabs you when he sees you. You're right. I like that. Front stabs you. You're absolutely yeah. right. In fact, I've had that happen a lot in my life. I, I got to tell you what he happened. Backstab you and then front stab you. Yeah. Yesterday, uh, yesterday, right? Uh, the whole crew here, at WABC, was down at Ferry Hawk Stadium in Staten Island, where our boss was autographing his new book. And all Frank could go up to him and say is, Curtis is not here. You see, he's not here. He dissed you. You're right. Yeah. How did he get, how did he get the job? He probably used you to get to it. Yes. Right? He did. He Everything did, Mitch. <laughs> Everything that Curtis says about me is wildly exaggerated or inaccurate. See? Can't, <laughs> we can't escape that guy. But you're, you're right. You nailed yeah. it when you mentioned it, Frank Morano. Who, 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 who was around longer, huh? If it wasn't for you, where would he be? Who's going to let Mama Luke fight if he does like Island. you? Or you disagree? Where would he be if it wasn't for you? Yeah, you're right. He'd be back at that station that nobody listens to. AM 970, the answer. And he'd be producing. They were, they didn't even want him on the air over there. But you're right. This just reminds me what an ingrate he is. God. Yeah, no, no, you've been uh, backstabbed and you've been frontstabbed, and I know what the feeling is like, Mitch. Yeah, I remember we used to go to the concerts at uh, Academy, go there for five bucks. You could see they would do two shows in one night and stuff. One time we got stuck, uh, well, we missed the train back to Rockford County, and we got we had to sleep in the Port Authority. The cop comes around with the stick. He says, oh, you can't sleep here. I was only like, what, 14, 15. It's like, well, we missed the bus, so... Six o'clock, the bus came. So he's like, "Oh, you better be out of here by then." I'm like, "Yeah, we're gonna, of course, we're gonna be out of here." Are you? I probably would be dead if it that happened today, right? Absolutely, man. You'd never make it. You better walk back to Rockland County. Yeah, I had a hitchhike a couple times too. I missed the when we used to carpool. We park in Harlem, and then because uh, I worked in the city in the, in the Manhattan doing the sparkling. And uh, we'd switch cars, and if I missed the thing, I'd have to get a, a train or a bus home. So if I had a hitchhike, and lucky I got a ride. <laughs> and so at that but, point, uh, your line of trade was you were a spackler. Yeah. That was the late 70s that when I started down there. Yeah, the well, hey, that's not, look, I, I saw my dad spackle uh, a few times. Not easy to do. Yeah. Well, now they got all the Central Americans. They won't hire you. You know, they say, oh, all these people are hard workers. But if you try to go get a job and work with them, they won't hire hire you, you know, because you're not part of the system. So now how long how long you been down in Virginia? 
uh, seven years now. And uh, what? My sister lived, what lived here, what, like, what uh, part? What part? What part of Virginia? Outside of Richmond. And how do, you, Richmond, how do you like suburbs. it? How do you like it there? Ah, uh, you know, I'm a Yankee. And did they make you, <laughs> did they make you feel like a Yankee? It's, it's the license plate says Virginia's for lovers, but I, I say Virginia's for Yank for Yankee haters. I don't know. I don't know. It's just different. It's different. No, 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 understood. But, but a lot of Yankees heading down there, Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, Texas, Tennessee. Do you see a lot of people? Yeah, the one guy I was talking to that works for the utilities, uh, the electric, he's like, it's the south side, the the south of the river is it's better. Like anything up, like more north, forget it. It's bad. Yeah, I got Guardian Angels over there in Richmond. It is, uh, it's got some really tough projects. Really tough with a capital T. They got rid of all the monuments. You drive down Monument Road, there's no monuments. They took all the history out. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. Well, I got to tell you, when I, I, when, I, when I first went to Richmond, I spoke at Richmond University and they took me down Monument uh, Alley there. I couldn't believe all the generals that they had statues for, Jeff Davis, uh, Stonewall Jackson, Robert yeah. E. Lee, all of them. And then at the very end. There's no history now. Right. But at the very end, they had a statue of the home uh, hometown hero, Arthur Ashe, the tennis player. Now, Mitch, that was weird. Yeah. But you know something? Like, that's just that. Go ahead. No, no, but Mitch, I appreciate the fact that you listening from Virginia and formerly being from Rockland County, you understand what I have to deal with with that Mama Luke Frank Morano. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay, Mitch. Mitch is a veteran. He's been backstabbed and he's frontstabbed. And that's exactly what that rat Frank Morano did. Broadway Billy, were you aware of that? Avery, were you aware of that? You know, John Casamitidis had a book signing. Big uh, ad in the New York Post, full-page ad, 10 to, tw- 10 to 2. He's going to be out in um, Ferry Hawk Park there, North Shore, Staten Island. They had a huge crowd show up. And so Frank Morano, seeing that I'm not there, knowing I'm going to the St. Patrick's Day Parade in the Rockways, because I knew Sid Rosenberg would not be representing, even though he lives there in Bell Harbor. He was MIA. And so he goes running up to John and Marco Katsimatidis and Chad Lopez and everybody saying, see, see, Curtis is not here. He's not here. He's not a team player. Sounds just like him, right, Avery? Six martinis is a lot. That's the... That's the most that I've ever had in one sitting. And and it always ends in disaster. I mean, how low was that for him to go running up a brown nose and say, yo, Curtis didn't come out here? That sounds, that sounds just like him. And boy, I hope you cut him up good between four and five today. I hope you, I mean, I hope you give it to him good, Avery. Yeah, we'll, we'll be addressing stuff like that. I mean, I, I, when I heard that, that he was, he was, oh, Curtis is not here. See, Curtis is not here. We're the brothers of that, man. No, no, not when it comes to, I like that term that Mitch from Virginia came up with, a backstabber and a frontstabber. Yep. No 
And we, and we know Frank can do it, too. That's Frank, no yeah. doubt about it. You know, he can keep those things on him. Even with the cheese still on the, the knife, right? <laughs> he stabbed you with that. <laughs> <laughs> with cheddar cheese parts on it. That's right, cheddar cheese parts. <laughs> Oh, man, that guy Mitch straightened me out from Virginia, man. I I had everybody believing that Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young had Neil Young on the stage at Woodstock. He had to straighten me out. He said, hey, he wasn't on the stage. You notice uh, how I tried to recover from that, Bill Lee. You know, I, I did a little tap dance on what uh, he was in the studio for the song, which is true. <laughs> man, he, like, gave me an attitudinal readjustment. And he was happy. Notice at the end of it, it's like he was all calmed down. Before that, he was all hyper. And then all of a sudden, I capitulated. I said, you got me. You got me, man. I was wrong. See, that's all it takes. Yeah, that was an endurance one right there. But you see, Frank, man, he'll never. No, he will never acknowledge that a caller was right and he was wrong. Oh, no, he'll hang up on you first. And then he'll, like, he'll be, the rest of the program, he'll be reading Wikipedia to try to prove himself. He'll wiki you to death. <laughs> wiki you to death. <laughs> God, that, I love that term. He's a backstabber and a frontstabber. Well, in New York, that's what they're doing in the overnights. Everybody's listening to me, who's awake right now. Really? You know who's ahead in the ratings, Frank. Let, let me let me let me straighten you out, man. You know, it's, Sid Rosenberg's in the lead, and I'm number two. You ain't even close, Frank. Frank always has the numbers, though. Yeah, somehow, yeah. Somehow, somehow he gets those numbers. Yeah, yeah. He spins them his way. He has that golden pouch with the numbers in them that nobody else can see but him. Exactly. I have the Curtis's numbers. His imaginary ratings war is just that imaginary. What? <laughs> what do you mean imaginary ratings war? I have the numbers. Everybody, I have the numbers. He cooks the books. <laughs> he cooks the books, and then he won't let anybody else have access because I don't even think they're the real numbers. In fact, I know they're not the real numbers. There's no numbers in that pouch. It's just, it's just blank pages, man. <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> He's a backstabber and a frontstabber. I love uh, that Well, term. I am quite fond of cheese. <laughs> I would actually love a Velveeta-scented nail polish. I think that would be great. It's a, it's a freak. Yep. The pouch with the numbers it has LED lights on it, and, and it glows. <laughs> and it, <laughs> I have the numbers. <laughs> but he's a freak. He he sniffs at the Velveeta cheese nail polish, and that's like an aphrodisiac for him. Our number is 833-969-4447. Little diversion there by Mitch from Virginia had to give me an attitudinal readjustment. I took that chiropractic adjustment and I'm back on track. Eight three three nine six nine four 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 seven. It's another side of midnight. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of seventy seven WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa.
Ah, Neil Young. Let's uh, hope uh, Broadway Bill Lee, I don't flub this and get it right on Neil Young. You know, he came out of uh, Ontario. He was birthed in T.O. And he ended up being one of the last people ever to come down with polio. Yeah, Neil Young. I think he was, what, born around 1945 or so. And then ended up spending time in Winnipeg in Manitoba, a place you don't want to be where there are more First Nation people, that's what they call Native Indians there, than uh, settlers. And more casinos than there are. What do they call that uh, Canadian coffee shop? It's the weakest coffee imaginable. Max, what is it, Max, I think, I don't know. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, if you'd like a Curtis Lee will booby prize, what is that coffee uh, store? You know, trying to replace Dunkin' Donuts. It came down here for a while from Canada. The coffee sucked. Oh, my God. It had, like, no octane, no kick. The worst coffee in the world. And they were everywhere for a while. And they absolutely were everywhere. Now, all of a sudden, wisely, they closed up. And hopefully they went back to Winnipeg and Manitoba, Regina, Saskatchewan, and parts unknown in Canada. (sighs) 833-969-4447. Now, let me see if I get this right. Before, all of a sudden, what was that? Martin calls back from Virginia, originally from Rockland County. This song by Neil Young. Rockin' in the free world. If you listen to the lyrics, he talks about poverty in the U.S. of A. People sleeping in their shoes. Oh, damn, have I done that a lot. Sleeping in my shoes. Rampant drug addiction, child welfare, and environmental disaster. Yeah, that's Neil Young, right? Now, no, no, please. People are going to call up. You couldn't be more hopelessly wrong, right? They're going to kill me. 833-969-4447. That's Such a good song. Now, nah, make that a great song. I think he was actually, I now watch somebody's going to correct me. I think he was married to the actress Daryl Hannah for a while. Daryl Hannah? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Watch. Martin will call back from Virginia. What are you talking about? Mixing him all up. Wait, wait till you get, oh, wait till we get into Pink Floyd in the next hour, in which, on the 50th anniversary of Dark Side of the Moon, we talk about my favorite subject, schizophrenia. That's why I get along so well with street people. Because a lot of these situations I can identify very quickly, and I know exactly what to do when they are looking at you, but they're looking right through you. Now, that's just one of the signs. One of the signs. That's one thing, man. You know, like, I'm on the edge myself. There's no doubt about it. So I can recognize it in other people. People who have recognized that here at WABC, don't mess with Sliwa. It's like Mount Vesuvius erupting. 
Then all of a sudden they say to themselves, gee, no wonder why people were afraid of this guy. He's psycho man. Yeah, you know, I say, you see, look outside. And they look. I say, that's a long way down, right? Yeah. So how would you like me to pick you up right now and throw you the hell through that plate glass window? And then you go, kathunk. You really mean that? You want to see? Our number is 833-969-4447. That's 833-969-4447. Let's go to Mark. He's calling from upstate. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mark. Curtis, enjoying the show. Listen, uh, you misspoke about the one thing, but... uh with uh, uh the Woodstock song but uh, I was up there in 69 my father was running a store 5 miles away it was incredible 1969 uh, the, the hippies were all over the road and sleeping on the side of the road and uh it was uh and it was a great year you remember that the Mets the Jets the Knicks Woodstock great New York year first steps on the moon too remember first steps on the moon yeah but this was uh it was, I remember my father saying, you know, you're never going to see nothing like this again. And I, when the, you talk about when the throughway was uh, stopped and everything like that, it was, uh, you know, it was a, a one-shot deal. You never saw nothing like that again. How how old were you at the time, Mark? I was nine years old. My father was running a store. He was a teacher, and he ran a store during the summer at uh, Wolf Lake, which is about six miles away, near Yankee Lake, Lake Louise, where he, and what I was saying before, too, about you misspeaking about the thing, I'm I'm always uh, pretty impressed by your breadth of knowledge about a lot of things. So, yes, you know, you got you, you got one thing wrong with the Yeah, song, no, but, no, uh, but Martin, he, he, had, he had to smack me around. He had to straighten me out on that. You know, I had to take a beatdown. You know, Mark, if you can give beatdowns, you have to take beatdowns. Yeah, you, you know, you got to get up. You just got to get up. Another another interesting you guy guy I had was a couple weeks ago from up that way. The guy that was talking about the reservoir, you had him on and about guarding the the water and all of that. That was that was that was an interesting guy up from Roscoe. Weeks ago you had him on, but uh, that's all up that way. But I just want to say I remember that that time real clearly. So now where do you and, live? Uh, where do you live now, Mark? Newburgh. Ah, Newburgh. Oh, man. Yeah, I called you a couple times. They told you. I met you a couple years ago. I got your card in my pocket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, it's very entertaining. I listen to you every Saturday. It's it's great. No, no, no. I, I appreciate that. Out. And I certainly appreciate you uh, sharing those memories. Uh, but it never, your dad was right, it never occurred again. It's not like people kept well, making. Too is, yeah, the thing, too, Wolf Lake was six miles away and two miles in. And. Uh, it was weeks before they they that that whole area was cleaned out, uh, cleared out. I mean, we woke up days later and there was like eighteen people on his lawn and they were just hanging out, sleeping and uh, hanging out. And he went out and gave him some sandwiches and stuff like that. And you know, it, it, they just they were from all over and it, it took they took forever to leave that area. Um, you know, you got 500,000 people, you know, and they, nobody was in a rush to go anywhere. So, Do you think, Mark, but, uh, that out of those half a million strong that came up the New York State Thruway to Woodstock, that some of them actually stayed behind and ended up living there? Well, I'm, I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure some people did. I mean, you know, they got a taste of the area and, 
no offense to the city, but people come out of cities and sometimes they come up to bucolic areas and rural areas and they end up liking it, you know, and uh, it's peaceful. You know, I've seen it both ways. I've seen people that came from the city and they couldn't stand it living up in a quiet area because it's too quiet. And, uh, you know, they have to hear the subway and things like that. And I've seen other people that they, they get up in the quiet area and they, they like it. I mean, I know you know the whole state anyway. I know you know the whole state. So, but do you, you know, are you able to spot them right away when they're from the city, you know, and they're moving into your area in upstate? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, mostly you can tell them by uh, a lot of times the way they drive because uh, you know they're 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 learning new roads that they don't really know and they're coming outside places and things like that. And a lot of times they come up and. Uh, you know, they they want to put their stamp on whatever's been going on here. They want to come up and put their stamp, you know, but but there's not much of a difference. It's an hour difference. I mean, it's it's not like that, you know, I, I think 45%, 35% of people in Hudson Valley work in the city, something like that. Mm. So, you know, mm. it, it, it's not like it, it's not like here and, and going up to, to Buffalo. I mean, everything is metro. All our news is all New York City, everything, you know, it's 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 the proximity is an hour, you know, we used to skip school and, and go to the city for the day. I mean, you know, it, but, uh, yeah, I just want to say thank, you know, nice no, 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 I appreciate, appreciate those memories. See, uh, re-edu- the re-education of Curtis Lee, the re-education of Curtis Lee. What was that day? They had the re-education of Sonny Carson. They had, they had a movie about Sonny Carson. I wonder if anybody out there ever saw the re-education of Sonny Carson. I did. Yeah, I saw it on the Dukes, 42nd Street. It made this guy to be out like some kind of god. And the last time I saw him alive, Sonny Carson was standing right on Kingston Avenue in the heart of Crown Heights, in the middle of the Crown Heights riots, leading a mob that had left the precinct on Empire Boulevard, was headed up towards Eastern Parkway, they were doing all kinds of uh, rehab on Eastern Parkway, so they had a lot of rocks and stones and concrete out there. And he and Al Sim Shady Sharpton led them off from the precinct right on up to Eastern Parkway, and then they got their hands on the stones. They started throwing it at passing uh, police cars. And then all of a sudden, Al Slim Shady Sharpton and Sonny Carson did the bird down Lincoln Place. Yep, disappeared. Uh, they were responsible for the rabble-rousers, the mob there, the riot. Now, this was not the first riot in Crown Heights. This was days later. Now, they were responsible. I know what I saw to this day. Sonny Carson's dead and gone, but what a rabble-rouser he was. He was head at one time of the Brooklyn Division of Corps. Man, he used to stick it to John Lindsay every chance he could get. It was the Jelly Belly Mayor of New York City. Our numbers... One eight three three nine six nine four 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 seven. And by the way, a little more nuanced trivia. What was the group that Sonny Carson's son started? It was a weird looking R and B group that nowadays you would have thought were dressed like black Hebrew Israelites screaming at white people, screaming at Jews, screaming at everybody out there. One eight three three nine six nine four 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 seven. New York's 
talk station with the king of New York, Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. Another Neil Young classic song. Who knows who will call up now and correct me on this one. Harvest Moon. You know, this is when I threw down with Neil Young against Spotify and Joe Rogan. When Neil Young took this song off the playlist, Harvest uh, Moon. Which is really a classic song celebrating longevity and relationships. really is. Didn't didn't really become a big hit. I've always liked it. So you know what? Because I liked it, I'm playing it. You see, your musical tastes have to range, have a range, which you can go in a million different directions, but understand just from listening to the words sometimes, even if the music doesn't necessarily uh, pop a thrill into you, that the words are really good, and they're really good. That's one thing about Neil Young, just a great, great writer. So good, so good. Let's go to Helen, who's calling from Long Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Helen. Hi, Curtis. I listen to you quite often. So I want to tell you that you and A.B. make me laugh when you talk together. 
some months ago, when the Congress was in session early in the morning, you guys were talking about different things, and I was laying down. But when you and A.B. started talking, I had to sit up. I thought I was going to choke. I was laughing so hard. Mm-hmm. How long has he been working there? Oh, Avery, uh, Avery, how long have you been here at WABC? Now, let's see. Avery's coming to the microphone there. I, um, you you just a, like, you know, about a year I've now, been Costello, you know? Yeah, about a year now, and uh, he at times was relegated to answering phones for Frank Morano, and Frank Morano was just completely mistreating the guy, and that's when I said, "No, nah, no, nah, he's going to be, he's going to be on with the better side of the other side of midnight." I just had to call because you, you, when you discuss different topics together, it makes me laugh. No, yeah, well, I tell you what, and in conversation session early in the morning, I was laying down. But when you guys started discussing it, I had to sit up. I thought I was going to choke. It was, I was laughing so so much. Well, you're going to be laughing yeah, hard. Four to five. You yeah, got to yeah, you got to so stay hard. up. I, uh, I mean, he, I I saw him working away in the other studio. Studio B there, and he was laughing at his cuts. So you know, when Avery is laughing at his own cuts of Frank Morano, you know it's going to be mm-hmm. funny between four and five. And then he talked about his mother and the church and all. It was so funny. So com- you two guys are so comical together. Yeah, well, you know, he's a holy roller. He's a holy roller, Helen. Where's he from? Is he is he a New Yorker? You a New Yorker, Avery? Yeah. From the Bronx. Oh, well, I'm definitely a fan. So funny. Yeah, he's, he's from so the Bronx. Together. He's from the Bronx. Yeah. But he goes okay. every Sunday morning. He's got his Sunday best on. He leaves WABC at 6 in the morning, goes right to church, and he's there all day long. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh, he's a holy roller. He's singing, praise God, praise God. It's like six, seven, eight hours. I can't even deal with that for eight minutes. But, uh yeah, I want to know. I just want to know about him. Like, is he married? He's how old is he? I just think he's so. I think you guys are so. Funny yeah, yeah. So, Avery, uh, Helen just wants to know all about you. Wants to know are you married? How old are you? You know. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do a um, some kind of profile on the website. Yeah, you got to do a profile, Helen. We got to do a profile. I don't have. A, I don't have the website. I just. I just learned how to text. A few years ago, I only have a flip phone. I don't even have the internet. Only got a flip phone. See, that's not going to help Helen. How old are you, Avery? What are you like, Frank Morano now? You can't tell us your age? You're so funny together. Yeah, he generates that mystery. You got to let him be on more often. See, it's uh, it's like a mystery here. He's a mystery his age. Frank Morano, my wife Nancy, they don't want to let anybody know their age. I don't care who knows my age. I'm 75 now. See, but let, let him, you guys talk about stuff more often together so I can get a good laugh. Thank okay? you. Thank you. We will definitely do that on your behalf, Helen. And all of a sudden, uh, Avery wants to be an enigma here. Oh, I'm not going to say how old I am. No. What's the big deal with you hipsters and millennials? You, Frank, uh, Nancy. You know, I'm not going to say what my age is. Notice, uh, Helen, loud and proud. I'm 75, straight up. No hesitation. Let's go to Jesus calling from the Bronx. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Jesus. Hey, Curtis, huge fan, man, huge fan. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. Huh? I was on the sixth train today going home. 
and I've seen a couple of guardian angels, man. Big respect. Yeah, no, no, thank you. On Saturdays, they hit it hard. They hit it hard, the uh, sixth train from Pelham all the way down to Hunts Point. Oh, yeah. I, it, it must have been a parade. What, what's going on? Yeah, well, we were coming. Uh, that particular group was coming. We had a huge group out there in the Rockaways for the annual St. Patrick's Day Parade. Uh, we had to fill the void because Sid Rosenberg here in the mornings was, you know, I live out there and we'll be there. He was missing in action, missing in action. <laughs> yeah. Sid needs a, 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 you know who he needs, right? A swagger man with no plan. And he needs to call him at 5 in the morning to, you know, to clear the ways for him. <laughs> man, they are, that is ebony Listen, and ivory. I got it. Yeah, that is Ebony and Ivory. Ebony and Ivory. <laughs> he has to call him up and, and tell him, oh, listen, I'm coming out of my hotel. Can you please help me? And I'm telling you, they're, they're, the two of them is so, sort of two peas in a pod. They both look at each themselves in the mirror. They both love to jump in the hot tubs. They both, you know, they're body beautiful. They're in love with themselves. And, and Frank loves who? Selena Goldberg? In love with her? Oh, Selena Gomez. Wait till you hear. He's yeah. got, oh, when he's got a new obsession, a new female that he is obsessed with. And that's the problem. He gets obsessed with Tulsi Gabbard. She then claims that he's stalking him. Uh, Selena Gomez, she claims he's stalking him. Uh, remember cinema, Senator Cinema from, uh, from Arizona? Uh, he loved that yellow dress that right. she wore to State of the Union address and made her look like right. cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. And he says, oh, but she's bisexual. She won't even return his calls. <laughs> now he's got another female that he's obsessed with. You got, that's why you got to listen to the break of dawn when Avery reveals it between four and five. Oh, yeah. I listen to I, I love I love both of you guys, man. A lot of respect to you guys. I do appreciate that. Curtis. Yes. I, I Curtis like one her thing, whole one personality, right? Now, go ahead, Jason. Curtis, one thing. Uh, I, I have a cat, right? Talking about cats. Let's go to cats. Yes. And I'm trying to get it a, a spade because it's spraying all over my, my damn place, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, no, you got to get it, it uh, is, spaded it and neutered or, or you, you're going to end up with a mess. So I tell you what, stay on the line, Jesus. Avery, get his information. You, I appreciate that. We'll turn it over to Nancy, uh, the expert, animal uh, welfare expert. In fact, in just a few hours, we'll be on 11 to 12, which rounds up my week here at WABC. All animal issues all the time as we're pursuing those uh, people that are torturing those cats in Richmond Hill, Queens. Yeah, we're on it. Let's go to Stephen Pearl River, the Irish Riviera. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Stevie. Curtis Housing. Uh, not too good, man. I, I, I got come up in Charlie. Curtis, you were right. Curtis? What? I, I know you don't like that because it's been a while. You know, I'm just checking in. Anyway, Curtis, you are right. I'm going to tell you, 1,000% Neil Young performed with Crosby, Stills, and Nash at Woodstock. They were not formally considered Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young at the time. But Neil Young was on stage with them. And now, 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 Steve, you got to talk uh, more into that phone. We can barely hear you, Steve. How about now? How about now? That's a, li- that's a little better, but you could do even better than that. 
How's that? Okay, okay. So you're telling me that Neil Young was on the stage with Dave Crosby, Stephen Stills, and Graham Nash in Woodstock. Absolutely. So I I ended up I ended up getting criticized. I took a beatdown uh, based on misinformation from Martin and Virginia, who originally was in Rockland County, not far from you in Pearl River. Well, you know, he was mistaken. You know what? You didn't have to be there to know. Yeah, he had an Obama phone, probably a flip phone. He's Irish over there, you know. I don't know. Guess they spend more money on what they're boozing up than the damn cell phone that he's using there. Hey, is this better? Is this better? Is this better? But, Curtis, I have another question for you that has nothing to do with music. Well, well, what's that, Steve? Okay. Remember when you said Coleman Young said he didn't want you in his city, et cetera? Yes. What's the difference between Coleman Young saying that to you and Ron DeSantis telling people in Florida that they're not allowed to protest unless they have a permit, they review the protest, and the views have to align with the state? Yeah, well, I, 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 I totally disagree with that. They got another piece of legislation in Tallahassee now. The governor hasn't signed on to it, but he's got to really comment on it. In which if you are a blogger and you're critiquing government, whether it's the governor or anyone else in Florida, you have to register and pay a fee? What the hell happened to the First Amendment? I hope DeSantis talks out on that. Oh, when we come back at some point, we got to talk about the cops chasing these guys who are popping wheelies on motorcycles and how much differently they handled it in Florida than the coppers handle it here in New York or New Jersey. Check this out on the weekend. Take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is the politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep, and neither does Curtis Lewa on another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Now. To the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. You know, interesting. 
and growing up and listening to Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon on a number of occasions. Once again, we've hit the half-century mark because it's the anniversary this month of when it was first put out there for the public's consumption. And you know, Broadway Bill Lee, uh, I don't even think your colleagues at WCBS-FM are aware of this, but more albums, this uh, particular album, Dark Side of the Moon, sold more than any of the Beatles' albums, more than any of the Led Zeppelin's albums. In fact, I think uh, in the history of albums that were sold, that, uh, let me think. Of course, there's that pedophile on a pedestal, Michael Jackson's Thriller. That's number one. Then there's ACDC's Back in Black. I got that. The one I don't get is the soundtrack to The Bodyguard. I know that's Whitney Houston, who was with Mr. Uh, Mr. What, 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 what was he? The Mailman uh, movie uh, Costner, right? I still don't understand how that sold so many albums. I know, hey, look, Whitney Houston was great, but third most uh, sold album of all time. And then... There was an album that actually had meaning. Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. Because when you listen to the songs, when you listen to the words, this is about schizophrenia. This is about mental disorders, whether it's an anxiety disorder, obsessive-compulsive behavior, But definitely, definitely schizophrenia and how many people who end up being lured down the rabbit hole and they don't know how to get out. They don't know how to get out. And they end up uh, in a self-imposed seclusion, which has got to be so devastating. And, you know, the moon uh, can affect your mood. People have mood swings. Is my wife, Nancy, as I mentioned, when there's a full moon, what is she doing? She's running into the middle of Central Park. Could be at 3, 4 in the morning. All of a sudden, it's like she senses that there's a full moon, and she starts like a wolf baying to the moon. Then the coyotes come running out. All the other critters come running out. Yeah, that's her. Lone Wolf won. And then daylight comes, and she comes scurrying back. And I said, where were you? She goes, I was in the middle of Central Park. And I said, yeah, I heard you. So did the other neighbors who were complaining. But it is so true. But this this album is like no other album you've ever listened to. Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. And it really... You know, put aside, put aside Roger Waters and all of his uh, politics, which is different than the norm, and his battle with the other people who are part of the band, and they're falling out with him, and his falling out with them. But I want to spend time talking about, on its 50th anniversary, how this was an album. And tell me if I'm right or wrong on this, that dealt with madness, death, 
the passing of time, greed, tension, and uh, so much so that I call it like an eclipse of the mind, where oftentimes people will have a psychotic breakdown, an absolute psychotic breakdown. I see it every day in the streets, in the subways, in the parks of New York City. Well, you see people, they're staring a lot, and they're looking right through you. They're staring, and you don't understand, but they're looking right through you. They're having a psychotic episode. And they're in like a catatonic stupor. There's no other way to describe it, staring like just straight ahead. And you're wondering, what are they staring at? Could be the result, maybe, of street drugs that they took. Could be the result of any number of traumatic situations that impacted them in growing up. Could be biological. And this happens oftentimes to very successful men and women. All of a sudden, they fall apart. They're homeless. They start crashing on friends' floors. Then they start rambling at midnight. Where some, uh, like a wolf, would howl to the moon. All of a sudden, these folks are just rambling, rambling right through the night. And if you look into their eyes, as I have on many occasions, you'll notice there's no twinkle. There's no glint. Nobody's home. Nobody is home. And we just let these folks roam about act up, a danger to themselves, everyone else. Uh, It's difficult to spend time with them. I've certainly spent a fair share of time with them because I feel safe and secure in their surroundings. But I could see how it would be frightening for most people. Well, let me tell you something. This, uh, This album, Dark Side of the Moon, definitely impacts on this. Definitely. Because really, it's it's all about schizophrenia when it comes right down to it and how people end up with odd thoughts, later delusions and visions, and get involved in bizarre actions and social withdrawal. It's always compounded by social withdrawal, paranoia, then disorganized thinking. Some people would say, oh, you know, it's a nervous breakdown, but it could be a predisposition or it could be biological, any number of things, and we really don't put enough study into it. But I got to believe that if you listen to the dark side of the moon over and over and over, you picked up on this, and that's why so many of you, yeah, yeah, I know you were dropping acid, and you were looking at the pink pig flying over your head. But if you really paid attention to the words... And I think that's why this album became so successful. Because I don't ever remember any artists in a group format who really delved into these kinds of super serious issues that society is ignoring. Every day I see society ignoring it. We're a first world country. Supposedly the most advanced on the globe. We ignore it. We don't want to look at these people. Even when they happen to be family and friends and we just can't understand what's happened. And the next thing, uh, we have to put them behind four walls, put them away. What we say is care. 
I don't know how how much care there is behind those closed walls. I want to say there's no transparency. We don't know what's going on behind those closed walls. And this album, I mean, really enabled people to sort of get an understanding of that. I, other than uh, breaking the wall, none of the songs were ever going to be top top 40, you know, never were going to be a chart buster, but it was just the whole theme of the whole album as it played out. You know, Brian Wilson, in a lot of ways, Beach Boys was like that. If you followed his life, he was very schizophrenic. And the founding member of Pink Floyd, I think that's why the band spent so much time in this album. Sid Barrett, highly creative, had a stressful childhood, and then just was swallowed into the belly of the beast. And rather than ignore it and walk away from it and the band members deciding, hey, well, we're not going to go in that direction, they actually created this theme album to specifically delve into these areas that we as a society, we just don't want to discuss publicly and we certainly don't want to deal with it privately when it impacts us as a family or amongst friends and others. Well, you can certainly engage in that because you're not often going to hear anything like this in talk radio. No, no, this touches a nerve. This is something that a lot of people suffer from and they don't want to talk about because immediately it puts a stigma on you. Our number is 833-969-4447. That's 833-969-4447. As it is the 50th anniversary of the dark side of the moon, I had no idea that it had outsold any album of the Beatles and that it had outsold uh, Led Zeppelin and most major groups. See, I mean, you listen to this, you'd say, who would end up buying an album like this, right? You say, this is not a top 40 album, and yet people would listen to it over and over. How many of you would go running home after school with your friends? And you immediately would want to take that needle on your Victrola and put it on the vinyl and listen to it over and over and over. Yeah, yeah, oftentimes you were dropping acid, you were smoking uh, weed, ragweed at the time, but still, you kept listening to this album over and over. And there had to be a reason, because you didn't necessarily listen to other albums as much as you listened to the many Pink Floyd albums, but particularly this this album, which really took you to the dark side. I don't think there's any other way of describing it. Listen to this, right? Would you just happen to, by stand, by perchance, Broadway Billy, uh, spinning the stacks of wax, listening to this over there? You'd probably say, nah, that's not for me. And yet, it had so much deep meaning. 833 969 Four 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 seven. That's eight three three nine six nine. Four 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 seven. And even though Roger Waters has become estranged from uh, Pink Floyd, seemed to be at total odds. In fact, 
you know, they claim he's a Putin apologist and a lying, thieving, hypocritical, tax-avoiding, lip-syncing, misogynist, sick with envy, megalomaniac. That can describe a lot of us in society, right? (laughs) The group may never get together, but you can never take away what they were able to create in a subject matter that people just don't want to talk about. Schizophrenia and mental illness. Eight three three nine six nine four 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 seven. That's eight three three nine six nine four 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 seven. See, I remember listening. It's conflict, greed, death, insanity. And all of it based on the guy who put together Pink Floyd's deteriorating mental health state. And in many ways, you can uh, equate it to the stages of human life, the beginning, the ending, especially when you hear that heartbeat. It's uh, almost as if that album speaks to you. And notice... Notice Broadway Bill Lee, we ask questions about other musicians, other musical groups, other theme albums, and the board is lit up with calls. But with this, nobody wants to talk about it. People don't like talking about schizophrenia. They don't like talking about the things that they see. They would much rather see those people that they love or know all of a sudden retreat and there's no social contact because you don't want to have a discussion about anxiety disorder or obsessive compulsive behavior or the big S schizophrenia. Our number is 833-969-4447. That's 833-969-4447. Hey, we'll be talking about KISS. Yeah, they're at their 50th year, half century mark. They're going to have their last two concerts coming up in Madison Square Garden in December. And then they claim it's over. And the guy who's got his tongue hanging down to his ankle, Simmons, actually had an interview with, believe it or not, our own Cindy Adams. If we think it got a little wild and crazy, because remember, he's claiming to be like Wilt Chamberlain, you know, having bedded down like about 10,000 women in his life. You don't think, no, not with Cindy Adams. Although when you listen to them, you're like, hmm, a little spark there, a little, uh, huh, a little urge to merge there. Let's go to Herman, who's calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Herman. Hi, Curtis. How you doing? Uh, not good, because uh, the dark side of the moon puts me in a mindset in which uh, we're really dealing with a lot of the problems that nobody wants to talk about. Yeah, well, that, that's today's world. Hey, I got the answer to uh, the bad coffee in Canada. Oh, no, hold on. So important. repeat that. You got the answer to what? The bad coffee you were talking about in Canada? Yes. Tim Horton? That's right, Tim Hortons, the worst coffee that I have ever drunk in my life. I agree with you. We spent a few times up on uh, Prince Edward Island, and he had a big sailboat that he kept up there. But uh, but that's the coffee. Not good at all. 
How the hell did that brand take off in the manner that it did? It's got absolutely no buzz, that coffee. Yeah, you know, I had the same thought when I saw them start to pop up here in the States. I had the same thought. But what the heck? You know, you've got McDonald's here. It took McDonald's a long time, but they finally got a stronger coffee, which now is pretty good. But when I saw them come in, I thought, gee whiz, you know, that was a silly move. Now, I don't know if there are any more around here in the States or not. I haven't seen one in a long time. Yeah, but for a while there, they must have been owned by a hedge fund. They were they were operating everywhere. Any empty retail space and a Tim Hortons franchise was opening up. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the donuts weren't very good either. No. <laughs> all in all. I, I, I just uh, could not understand it. The coffee was horrible. Uh, the donuts yeah. were horrible. It's like who the hell would be putting their money and investing in franchises for Tim Hortons. Then I almost never saw anybody in Tim Hortons here, south of the border of uh, yeah. Canada. Yeah, no, I, I always thought that they maybe somebody said, "Well, we've got a point to prove, and that is that we Canadians can be just as successful uh, and strong in the marketplace as McDonald's or a U.S. company." Yeah, well, you know, obviously yeah. their main competitor was uh, Dunkin' Donuts. Uh, but, oh, yeah, that's true. You know, oftentimes you'll have a diner or a restaurant that's dependent on the breakfast trade. They could have the best food. They could have the best pies and cakes. They could have the best everything. But if they don't have a good cup of coffee, a strong cup of coffee, they're not going to do business. Boy, they don't do business with me. And I agree with you 100%. Good food, but, boy, if you don't, I call it a hot brown water, not coffee. Yeah. Yeah, and yet there are some places uh, it it doesn't get better walking into their establishments. They have any kind of food that you want, and they prepare it well and quickly and sufficient, give you sufficient amounts. And then all of a sudden, you get their cup of coffee, and you say, why did I come here? It, it just ruins right. everything. Yeah, yeah. Takes away the incentive to hang around and have another cup. Man, you meet so many nice people in those diners. We're out in the country here, and um, just a couple of really friendly farmer kind of diners, and uh, it's a lot of fun to hang around with a good cup of coffee. But if it's bad coffee, you're out of there. <clears throat> now, where are you originally from, Herman? Uh, Michigan. Ah, which you're, part? Uh, which part of Michigan? Well, down we lived on an island in Lake Erie, sort of halfway between Toledo and Detroit. Wow, an uh, island and Lake Erie. That, yeah, that's I'll that sounds that sounds exotic. That was nice. It was really really nice. Yeah, but I got a corporate transfer, and that's why I wanted to keep my job. It was New Jersey. Here we come. So here we are. And family didn't want to come, and I said, "Well, I want to give it a try for two years." And at the end of the two years, if um, we don't like it, uh, we'll move back. Well. Two years passed, and uh, the question was, we're not moving. We love it here. So we've been here now 51 years. Yeah, 51 years. So, And it, out here in the country, it's beautiful. And in fact, when we came in, we came to the water gap and into New Jersey, you know, and it's beautiful. And I said, no, 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 no. This isn't New Jersey. you got to get down towards Newark and <laughs> that area in there if you want to see New Jersey. Ah. But this is... <laughs> Yeah, this out here is nice. Well, yeah, I, we've got bear. You got bear? 
Yeah, oh, yeah, we had bear go through the yard and um, saw a fisher cat a few weeks ago. That's the first one I've seen. I've heard them, but I've never seen one before. But I noticed that the guy down the road away, he's, I didn't hear his chickens anymore. And I'm like, well, what the heck is, what happened? He got rid of his chickens. And then I pulled in the yard and I saw that fisher cat running through the field. And I went, oops, that's where the, that's where the chickens went. Yep, they, yep, they yep, yep. Take their heads off. You figured it out. Now, yeah. uh, did you grow up on that island in Lake Erie? No, we grew up on a farm, um, uh, maybe 15 miles from the shoreline. And then after we got married, uh, lived in town for a little while and then moved out there to that island. And um, it was very nice. i tell you, one thing was nice was, well, well, not nice, but when they had the big riots in Detroit and Newark in that yep. period of time, yep. um, there were two bridges to get on the island. They just swung the bridges open. And that was it. You know, you were on the island and you didn't have to worry about anybody, um, you know, coming into the neighborhood. And when so uh, when, when you grew up in the farm, what, what was the primary product uh, that you guys uh, uh, grew on the farm? Um, well, initially, originally, um, for a long time, it was potatoes, something called an Irish cow brew. He had, Dad had uh, about 80 acres of potatoes, and then um, he opened up a farm machinery business. So it took away from the farming. So he rented the land out to other people who would, you know, to plant corn or beans or wheat or something like that. So now, did you ever have to work uh, the farm uh, as a young boy? Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, what yeah. what was it like? Give us an idea what an average day would be when you'd work the farm. Well, you were either plowing or disking or. And, the meat and taking care of the equipment. And since he had the farm machinery business, I was working in there as a mechanic and doing jack- and cleaning toilets and all that sort of stuff. Uh, you know, do what you have to do. And then the fall would come along, you'd have to take the crop off. Um, but we, it wasn't like a dairy farm uh, where our cousins down the road about a mile or so, they had a dairy farm, and that's 24-7 forever. That's the worst business to get into. Mm, mm. It's almost like being in a restaurant. You just you can't leave it. You got to be there all the time. Now, what's that noise in the back? Is that a cat? That's my crazy cat. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I and could look- I could detect that cat uh, meow at a distance. Yeah. Hey, I heard your your commentary about uh, the full moon and uh, the howling going on. But the other thing we have here are coyotes. We have a lot of coyotes, and you wake up in the middle of the night, and you can tell when they. Snag the deer or something, and then they just start calling everybody around. And it's first of all, when you first hear it, it's like, boy, oh boy, it raises the hair on your neck. But um, I used to sleep out in the yard, maybe three or four nights a year, throw a sleeping bag on the ground, and, and summer and winter, and because I love it outdoors. And one night or one morning, I got up and I see something further down in the yard, and I thought, well, what the heck is that? You know, so I go down and look at it was a hind quarter of a deer that the coyotes had caught and they were having lunch down there and there were just deer or cody uh, tracks all over the place and I thought wow that was about 300 feet from where I was sleeping so that was the end of sleeping out in the yard um, figured nope I don't want to be lunch down there some morning when my wife looks out and says what's that <laughs> in the yard you know yeah <laughs> Well, we yeah. got uh, we got a bunch of coyotes up in Westchester County now that uh, are running wild, and naturally people are freaking out. But my wife, uh, yeah, 
she uh, he she heard that there was a coyote in Central Park, and she immediately started tracking it because she fashions herself as if she's a wolf. She goes into the Central Park whenever there's a full moon, and I, I said, "Where are you going?" She goes, "Well, there's a full moon. I'm going in Central Park." And then inevitably, within like I would say half hour or forty five minutes, she's she's like baying to the moon. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, well her nickname yeah. is Lone Wolf One. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah, no, well, she loves I'll... wolves. She loves and she t- she reminds me, she says, you know, wolves mate for life. Yes, true. You know, here in Blairstown, well just outside of the next township. There's a, a wolf preserve, and you can make arrangements and go in there, and uh, you can't walk around, but they take you in, and they've got the wolves in very large enclosed areas. But you can uh, see the wolves, and you, if you get there at feeding time, you can watch them uh, feed. And that's, uh, you said, outside of Doylestown? Uh, Blairstown. Oh, Blairstown in Jersey. Yeah, yeah, just... It's near the Delaware Water Gap, about an hour. It, well, on a good day, if the traffic isn't too bad, I could be at Times Square in an hour and 15 minutes. And yet I come out here, and you know, I've got beer and, and everything. In fact, about oh, five miles further west from the house is the Appalachian Trail. runs on the top of the ridge. Mm. And I was up there one night, getting dark, and I saw something in, go from the top of one tree to another. And I said... Man, that looked like a mountain lion because it had a big, long tail. So the next morning I called the ranger station, and I said, you know, I thought I saw a mountain lion. And he said, well, were you by Sunfish Pond? And I said, yep. And he said, well, you did because they're moving down the trail. Mm. So they are they're, – they're my. in fact, my daughter saw one, oh, less than half a mile from here, running across the field. Yeah, well, I, I, I got to tell you, if I think I took uh, my wife Nancy down to Blairstown to that uh, refuge uh, for the wild wolves, she probably want to hang. She probably want to hang out with them rather than hang out with me. <laughs> well, there might be days that could be true. That's yeah, right. no, no. She knows how to talk to animals. I'm telling you, she has this uh, particular gift uh, that she'll uh, yeah. approach animals, many of them that appear to be quite fierce. And they feel yeah. a calm in her presence. Uh, she knows how to make sounds, and they'll come out of every nook, cranny, and corner. Wow, that's oh, that's that'd be fun. Yeah, you gotta try it. Uh, she would really enjoy it there. No, no, I, I definitely Blairstown outside of Blairstown. So it's a wolf refuge. It's a wolf preserve. I think it's called the Lakota Wolf Preserve. Mm. Yep, and it's just right straight out Route eighty, and uh, maybe. Four miles or five miles off of Route 80. Wow, she so she really yeah. I, I may never be able to get her to come back to the city. She'll be, <laughs> she'll just be out there in the Wolf Preserve, and you know I could just see her immediately. You know, be in the middle of night. She'll be howling like a wolf. I'm telling you, all the other wolves and coyotes will come all around her. That's right. well, you know, if she comes out, let me know, and I'll keep an eye out. See if I see her. Running through the yard sometime. <laughs> Definitely. Well, thank, thank, thanks for the, the heads up, Herman, because uh, now I know where I got to take uh, Nancy Blairstown. 
to that wolf reserve uh, right off uh, Route 80 on the way to the Delaware Water Gap. And I guarantee you she'll get out there. She'll make that sound, and the wolves, they'll be gathering around. And I may not see Nancy for a month of Sundays. 833-969-4447. That's 833-969-4447. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. We don't need no education. No dark sarcasm in the classroom. Teach and leave them kids alone. Another brick in the wall, Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon, turned 50 years old this week. And let's face it, the themes of this album, which I didn't realize, outsold uh, almost all albums that have ever been created. Dealt with schizophrenia, odd thoughts, delusions, visions... Bizarre action, social withdrawal, paranoia, disorganized thinking. All the kind of things that people don't really ever want to talk about, which is uh, evidenced by the fact that many of you, although you listen to Pink Floyd's The Dark Side of the Moon over and over and over and over again, that's self-evident. But you really don't want to talk about it. And maybe that's part of the reason that we never really resolve these issues that are in the human psyche. We just watch these people bizarrely walk about. To be rich, to be middle class, they could be poor, obviously, if they're on the poorer end of the spectrum. It is much more obvious to us because they don't really have a place to retreat to where... It's a self-imposed solitary confinement because they want to be secluded. No, they're out and about amongst us. They're sitting there right opposite you in that subway car. And you look at them and they look at you and you, you just, they're just vapid in so many ways. And you wonder, what is the cause? And you look in their eyes because they're not looking at you. No, no, there's no twinkle, no glint. Nobody appears to be at home. And then you go back to the reality of whatever it is you're doing in your life. And you say, it's not my job. It's somebody else's job to tinker with this, to toy with this. To give them the medication that they need to try to make them whole and all 
that never seems to ever take place. The problems are growing in leaps and bounds all over, all over. And I imagine you could be very successful and within a matter of a year or less or maybe more, you completely become unglued. You're homeless, sleeping on people's floors. You're, you're rambling in the wee hours of the morning. Yeah. Could happen to anybody, more likely if it's biological or maybe triggered by street drugs, continued use of street drugs, or shoveling almost every drug that you can consume in your mouth. But there never really been a comprehensive studies that can be shared with the general population because there are so many people suffering from schizophrenia out there, millions. It's a disease. And yet it's not being dealt with in that capacity. Our number is 833-969-4447. Let's go to Chris, who's calling from the Catskills. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Chris. Hey, good morning, Curtis. Dark Side of the Moon was on the top 100 list, billboard charts, for 972 consecutive weeks. I just looked it up. Hmm. Why do you think that was the case? It had it had music that resonated with people that passed on a, a full generation beyond that. Right, but in addition to remember. in addition to the the music, if you listen to the words, because I think that's uh, that's part of the reason that the the band uh, Pink Floyd came unglued is that Roger Waters believed the words were more important than the playing of the instruments itself. And the rest of the band members said, hey, wait a second. It's not the words. We have to be able to entertain the crowd or they're not going to even pay attention to the words. I was attending Oneonta State College. I was taking some summer classes, 92, and I was at a state park in a small town in Delaware County, one of the lifeguards who was like 20 years old, summer job from wherever she went to college, was singing one of the songs from Dark Side of the Moon. And this is like 18 and a half years after the album was released. Mm. Mm. And what was her behavior at that point? Well, she had sunglasses on. She was up on the lifeguard chair, and she had a, a megaphone to yell out to people. There wasn't really anybody in the water. It was a sparsely attended park in Delaware County, New York, and she was speaking out into the microphone and just sort of goofing around type thing. Well, I got to tell you, uh, this issue of schizophrenia that this album deals with, it really goes deep into this based on its founding member who suffered from this, uh, Sid Barrett. Highly creative, apparently had a very stressful childhood, and with just uh, whatever drugs were available, he'd shovel shovel it down his throat, probably triggering uh, off these odd thoughts and this bizarre behavior and the schizophrenia. But I I, got to tell you, uh, Chris, uh, I don't know about yourself, 
but there's almost like no education about the mental illness, the mental health that people have. They could be in your family, could be friends, could be coworkers, could be strangers that may pose a threat to you and everybody else. We absolutely almost don't even deal with it in society. I had a friend of mine who has schizophrenia. He's like five years older than me, and he's a very intelligent guy. He actually has a master's degree from SUNY Binghamton in finance. And uh, he he's had some relapses during his life, and he ended up in a group home, and then he's living with his mom. And I don't, I don't know if his mom is still with us. She's uh, in her late 80s. She would be now, but... Uh, he told me it got triggered when his father died from a heart attack when he was like 14 or 15 years old and his father was in his early 50s and uh that's what triggered it he he disclosed to me the one day but if he's on his medications you know he's an intelligent normal guy not not a violent guy at all you know pacifist type of guy but he has kind of like delusions of grandeur but, you know, he was able to hold down jobs here and there throughout his life, did white-collar jobs with his master's degree. Um, but he had trouble keeping it together over the long haul. Yeah, well, unfortunately, you can almost see them unwind. You know, the first uh, uh, experience, disorganized thinking, they can't connect the dots. And then they just want to sit and socially withdraw from everybody, you know, they'll still be alive, still be in their homes or their apartments or wherever they are living. <clears throat> they just don't want to deal with anybody any longer, which, uh, you know, years ago they used to say, oh, that guy had a nervous breakdown or that uh, young lady had a nervous breakdown. But it, it's so much more than just a nervous breakdown. Yeah, this buddy of mine, uh, he would be like, 59 going on 60 years old now and i'm not uh i'm not really sure how how much he's doing i'd 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 stop by his house when it's uh campaigning season that type of thing him and his mom are both democrats and they'd always vote for me and uh the last time i talked to his mom she wasn't doing so well she almost fell down the stairs coming to the door and that was a few years ago so um i hope he's doing well uh Neil Young, I got an interesting Neil Young story for you. I saw him 1987, Saratoga Performing Arts Center. That was one of the four best concerts in terms of sound quality that I ever heard in terms of what you hear in the audience sounds exactly like what it sounds like on the album. Mm. Mm. Well, it's... Uh... And- that's to him and his bandmates and the roadies and everybody that traveled with him as a credit. And uh, the, what your last caller said is true. I looked it up. Neil Young did play with Crosby, Stills, and Nash at Woodstock. It says online that that was actually the first concert that they played together with Neil Young and the band had Crosby, Stills, and Nash had just recently formed prior to Woodstock. Wow, I've been vindicated. Vindicated, Chris. Hey, do you think there's any way 
I can, I've tried to call in like three or four weeks in a row. I'm not trying to bogart as a caller, but your wife has amazing knowledge. If I can't get on the air tomorrow night, I'll send her an email. My cat, I adopted a pregnant cat from a friend of mine that had to move. She had the four kittens. They were all females. I adopted three of them out. I got one kitten left. I kept the, it just worked out that way. The runt, she seemed to be favored towards the runt. And uh, I have somebody I'm giving that out to a good home. But uh, the cat went into heat. Um, it lasted four or five days. It's driving me crazy. And then she went back out. I'm just curious about the timetable of, you know, I've researched it online, but your wife has a lot of intimate knowledge. Um, I, I It's going to be coming up on eight weeks since the kittens were born. And I've been weaning the cat off for the last week and a half. She's been eating wet food mixed with water with the mom. and But then the mom's probably feeding her an hour, an hour and a half a day. And I just wanted to go over that timetable and the question of whether or not, like, psychologically, my cat will, you know, get depressed from giving her last kitten away. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, Chris, you're not alone out of the many hours that I do uh, all week at WABC, 12 noon to 1, Monday through Fridays. And then, obviously, back-to-back, belly-to-belly, the other side of midnight, the better side of the other side of midnight, uh, from 12 to 6, Saturday mornings, and what we're doing now, Sunday mornings. And then I come back uh, 9 to 12, and that last hour, the animal welfare hour, is uh, uh, the... uh, as the most phone calls, the most interest, the most requests, at times overwhelming. So, yeah, Chris, just send an email to Nancy, and she'll definitely get back to you if you can't call the Animal Welfare Hour. Also, uh, I'm going to be having separation anxiety because, as you heard in that promo about Ernie and Patricia, starting on Sundays at 4, from 4 to 5, you know, all positive news. It'll be part of a lineup change in which uh, they're going to be taking hours from me, Broadway Billy. And I'm going to have separation anxiety uh, when all is said and done. They'll end up having Andrew Giuliani for an hour from 3 to 4. 4 to 5 uh, will actually be uh, uh, Laura Curran, the former county executive in Nassau County. She's got a podcast here. You go to WABCRadio.com for all your podcast needs here. And then it'll be Ernie Anastas and uh, his partner, Patricia, with all the positive news from 5 to 6. So that means they've taken two of my hours. And I know it's Frank Morano responsible for that because he was always complaining about that to management. How come this guy has so many hours? I know 9,852 people would love to be able to have an hour at WABC. And you should see the list that he's given management. Screwballs and crackpots, people who have never made it before, people who have been hired at WABC and caused major problems, and Frank Morano recommending them to replace me. That's why that term, Frank Morano stabs you in the back and stabs you in the front simultaneously, is just so pertinent. Talk station with the king of New York, Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. 
Imagine. 50 years since Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon came out. One of the most uh, sold albums of all time, superseding anything that the Beatles have done individually or Led Zeppelin or The Who. Only three albums uh, that have uh, sold more. Back in Black, ACDC, a thriller, a pedophile on a pedestal. And the... uh, the sound score of The Bodyguard, where it was uh, Whitney Houston. And then it's uh, Dark Side of the Moon. But Dark Side of the Moon was so highly creative, talking about people with delusions and visions and schizophrenia and anxiety disorder and obsessive compulsive behavior, all those things that unfortunately plague so many of our fellow citizens And we just don't want to focus on it. We don't want to discuss it. We don't want to talk about it. And yet it exists. It's growing. And there are any number of reasons why it's growing. Let's go to Loretta in Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Loretta. Oh, good morning, Curtis. Yes, Loretta. Are you there? Oh. Yes, loud and clear. I've had better days. I have had better days when I'm... Thinking of uh, the theme of this, uh, the dark side of the moon, it yeah. it really hits home because, uh, as you know, and what my passion is, the guardian angels, these are the kind of people that I'm dealing with on a regular basis who are roaming around like zombies uh, that almost nobody wants to care for and deal with. Right, right. Um, your last caller, uh, our dog had three litters of puppies. And there was no separation anxiety when, when I gave the last puppy away. Mm. Mm. I, uh, um, she was weaned off. Um, one of her puppies in, I think, her second litter was stillborn. And I didn't know what to do. That's before I saw any firemen on TV uh, breathing in their mouth and put the little uh, oxygen mask on them. You know, the kittens, like, in in a fire. Sure. So uh, she was licking the puppy. They tried to stimulate their organs, and I left her in the box. But eventually I had to take that puppy out. And my mother happened to be there visiting. And I said, Ma, what do I do with this little one? I didn't know what to do. Uh, I had to put her out in the garbage. She wasn't garbage. But I, I was at a loss. Uh, but but all those kittens were healthy, right? Yes. So uh, I don't think there's a problem. I used to give my dog something I found in the pet shop that makes um, milk for lactating dogs. Mm. It's a white powder. You either mix it with water or milk, and it makes their milk rich. And I used to give her cottage cheese and raw egg in her milk. So all her puppies were nice and fat, and her coat was always shiny, no eczema, no skin problems, Um, and three litters was enough. So um, I don't think this should be a problem, but the best course of action would be to talk to your wife. Sure. Oh, yeah, no, no, and that's uh, what we will be doing in just a few hours during the animal welfare segment. Let's go to uh, Mo in Queens. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mo. Hi, Curtis. 
Yes, um, yes, Mo. How are you? I've had better. I've had better days. Um, this whole thing with the number being changed and hours being taken off, you should investigate. It might be maybe WC's trying to. I don't want to say get rid of you or lessen your hours because the same time that the number gets taken off, your hours also get taken away. Hmm. You ever think about that? No, no. You've sort of put it all within uh, perspective of uh, one has to do possibly with the other. Because WABC stands for acronym always broadcasting is Curtis. Right. Now they're taking hours away. You can't say one in hundred. That's right, but that makes sense. Changing the number throws the listeners off. They have to readapt. Gives them ten times to get to this number. Yeah, yeah. See, and it gives them an opportunity. The suits, the mockers, the muckety mucks, to say, "Well, I guess not as many people are interested in talking to Curtis anymore." So that's that's why. Right, so that's why everyone, they're everyone taking they're it. taking hours from me. Yeah. I'm telling you, Mo, it's a it's definitely a cabal out there led by Frank uh, the Mameluke Morano, who's always gone on spouting. Why does he have so many hours? Why does he have so many hours? I got people I know who can do those hours: screwballs, crackpots, Norduels, people who haven't done radio in a month of Sundays. What the hell would they know? But, you know, there must be something to it, because normally I'd be telling you I'm coming back at 3, and I'll be on till 5, and then after the entertainment section from 9 to 12, and now I'm like, yeah, I'll be back at 3, but I, I have to warm up, uh, let's see, Ernie Anastas and Laura Curran, and then eventually Andrew Giuliani's going to take that out, huh? Hey, it's all coming to an end Sunday afternoons. Check this out. On the weekend, Info. take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is the politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep, and neither does Curtis Lewa. On another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Now, to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC, here's Curtis Lewa.
could never quite figure out. Here's a group that's had international success. And never, never, never did I ever hear any of their music played on radio stations other than maybe this song, Rock and Roll All Night. That was it. And I'd always wonder, how come you have all these people, they say they're in a KISS army, they got KISS paraphernalia, they dress like members of KISS. It's almost like there's a legion following Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons, Eric Singer, Tommy Thayer, sort of like posters, magazines, you name it. I said, how the hell did this phenomenon grow so fast, so furiously, over so many continents, and now after 50 years, they're coming back to where it first started in Madison Square Garden. December 1st, December 2nd, and that's it. Back-to-back Madison Square Garden concerts. And this was really a concert band because they weren't getting radio play. Weren't getting radio play at all. And they sold their albums, and obviously they developed their fan base. And this is before there was the Internet. It's before you had apps, before you had all these things that would just, like, chew you up to what was going on if you were a, a sickle fan, toady, and lackey of Kiss, or if you were a groupie of Kiss. I mean, it's just phenomenal. I'd be very interested in hearing from any of you if at any point in your life, in your 50 years... Because that's how long they've been at it. That you were ever a follower, groupie, or somebody who just had to go to a KISS concert. And what was that like? I've never had that experience, but, man, you can't argue with the analytics, that's for sure. Our number is 833-969-4447. That's 833-969-4447. Four 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 seven. It's this song, yeah, I heard it on the radio. I had never heard any of the other Kiss songs. I had no interest in going to any Kiss concerts. Other folks did. They were like, it's totally kissed up. They'd be wearing all that paraphernalia and making them look like dragon people. Our number's 833-969-4447. Four seven. Well, recently, uh, Gene Simmons, who I, I think we could say he is uh, probably the most popular of all those members of KISS. You know, a guy who claimed like uh, Will Chamberlain, he bedded down, what, like 10,000 femme fatales? And would have that tongue of his sticking down to his ankles? Well, he was on with our uh, Cindy Adams, believe it or not, and there was some magic, there was some chemistry, there was some... Who knows what transpired there? But here is Gene Simmons talking to Cindy Adams about his father and how his father was sowing his oats. My mother had gotten divorced from my father, who was a hound, had four or five other marriages and half-sisters and half-brothers all over the place. I guess he was doing the Lord's work. The good book says, spread thy seed, and he took no prisoners. He was just bang, 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 bang. Uh, It seems to me his son is doing similarly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, You're you're out there doing the work, honey. 
I certainly so. <laughs> have sold my salt, uh, oats, but uh, I've been married to Shannon now quite a few years, and this is the only marriage I will ever have. Yeah, you know, there's a little bit of little sexual tension between Cindy Adams and Gene Simmons. Can I hear that one again, please? Uh, t- pay attention, Avery. I want you to decipher for me if you think there's a little bit of titillation, a little bit of excitement, more so from Cindy Adams than from Gene Simmons. But uh, let's play that cut again. My yeah. mother had gotten divorced from my father, who was a hound, had four or five other marriages and half-sisters and half-brothers all over the place. I guess he was doing the Lord's work. The good book says, spread thy seed, and he took no prisoners. He was just bang, 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 bang. Uh, It seems to me his son is doing similarly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, You're you're out there doing the work, honey. I certainly (laughs) have sold my uh, oats, but uh, I've been married to Shannon now quite a few years, and this is the only marriage I will ever have. Let me tell you, he wasn't talking about H.O. Oates or Farino or Wheatina. What did you think of that? Did, did you detect a little sexual tension there, uh, Avery, between Cindy Adams and Gene Simmons? Well, she probably she probably liked him back in the day when she was younger, and that stuff never leaves. Hmm. You don't think she was part of the Kiss Army, do you? I mean, she could have been. Hmm. Or just because he was such a big celebrity. Well, anyway, they went on to discuss the male species. Gene Simmons will do what? What are you going to do? Sit home and crochet? What are you going to do? Well, uh, I'm the male of the species, so we tend not to crochet. Okay. But we'll buy you the stuff so that you can crochet. Thank you very much. Smartass. Yeah, go ahead. Notice. A bit of that uh, little tension there. Ah. Yeah, let me hear that again between Gene Simmons and our own Cindy Adams. Oh. Gene Simmons will do what? What are you going to do? Sit home and crochet? What are you going to do? Well, uh, I'm the male of the species, so we tend not to crochet. Okay. But we'll buy you the stuff so that you can crochet. Thank you very much. Smartass. Yeah, go ahead. A little teasing back and forth, a little sexual tension. And then uh, it was uh, Cindy Adams talking to Gene Simmons on Jews changing their names. Everybody knows all these things, but in case I have some idiot who just tuned in for the first time, I have to go back and ask the simple questions. How did you start with the name Gene Simmons? How did you start with the name Kiss? How did you start with the makeup? Tell me. Well, um, being a Jew and coming from Israel especially, I noticed that predominantly in rock and roll, there just weren't any yids, none. (laughs) And the ones who I later found out were changed their name, basically dress British, think Yiddish. So uh, Tony Curtis, in his later years, he and I became friends. We used to go to dinner and speak only Hungarian because I'm fluent (laughs) in Hungarian, among a few other languages, and then found out that his real name was Bernie Schwartz. Yeah. And that Kirk Douglas was also a Yid who had a Russian Jewish name and on and on and on. Hmm. I like that term, dress British, speak Yiddish. 
Dress British, speak Yiddish. 833-969-4447. That's 833-969-4447. I don't think you're ever going to hear anything like this on radio. Cindy Adams interviewing Gene Simmons of KISS. This is their last go-round, last rodeo for KISS. 50 years out there doing concerts galore. Never got play on Top 40 Radio. Had to be word of mouth. This is long before there was the Internet, long before you had apps and such. I like to dress British, speak Yiddish. And the uh, sexual entendre, the double entendre, the the sort of um, energy between Gene Simmons and Cindy Adams here. Would you ever think that Cindy Adams would be interviewing Gene Simmons? And so was Born Kiss almost half a century ago. And since then, we've been able to get literally thousands of licensed and merchandised products. Crazy stuff like kiss condoms, kiss caskets. We'll get you coming and we'll get you going, Cindy. Well, thank you, but don't push me too far. I still have a radio program to do. Can you? <laughs> mm. Yeah. I never heard her like that on the radio. Normally, man. You don't want to mess with Cindy Adams. I want to hear that again. Hold on a second, man. It was, she was like percolating there. Let me hear that. And so was Born Kiss almost half a century ago. And since then, we've been able to get literally thousands of licensed and merchandised products. Crazy stuff like Kiss condoms, Kiss caskets. We'll get you coming and we'll get you going, Cindy. Well, thank you, but don't push me too far. I still have a radio program to do. Hmm. Whoa. Whoa. Ho, 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 ho. Our number is 833-969-4447. And then uh, he was uh, Cindy Adams asking Gene Simmons of KISS about retiring. Streisand made 700 final tours. Is this to be one of your 700 final tours well this has to be our final one uh i'm turning 73 um this august tomorrow tomorrow next month and by the nature of what we do i carry around about 40 pounds of extra armor and seven inch platform heels the dragon boots yeah so the physicality of what we do it has to be the last tour i can't do what blues musicians do, which is sit in a chair and just comfortably pick at a guitar. Hmm. <laughs> Our number is 833-969-4447. Let's go to Joe's calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Giuseppe. Yes, yes. Good evening, Curtis. First of all, I want to say I love you, of course, and I dedicated this uh, phone call to my sister who's gone a few years. She had three favorite bands. She first started with uh, the Monkees, of course, who was a very popular group, and uh, went on to Donnie and Marie, who I took her and my mom to see in Madison Square Garden back in the day. Mm. And she finally finished up with K-I-S-S. Wow. She was crazy. Posters everywhere, and she's 10 years younger than me. I'll be 71 next year, and uh, God bless her. And she uh, was my only sister, and I'm uh, so sorry she's sad. But uh, gone. Now, 
she wife with the Lakota. I was there at the preserve about 10 years ago after uh, hearing about a group coming at the trade zone in uh, New Jersey here. We went out to the tra- uh, Lakota. We saw them feeding. We heard the ba- wolves. Oh, you'll love it. And uh, I have new initials for your, <laughs> for your wife there. Uh, WCW, the Wolf Cat Whisperer. So, uh, <laughs> hope she doesn't stay out too long at night in Central Park. You know, it's a little rough. Well, out it's here amazing. It, it, it's amazing, Joe, to see that there could be a full moon or what looks to me at first <laughs> at the start of nightfall, a full moon. And then she'll say to me, uh, I'll be back. And I'll say, where are you going? And she'll say, oh, I'm going to Central Park. And I'll look out just to double check. It's a full blazing moon. And probably... Within a half hour to 45 minutes, she's found some rock somewhere in uh, the Rambles or that area around there, and she's howling to the moon like like a wolf. Uh, you better you better pay uh, Bo Deedle and some of the security guards to follow her. I don't know if I'd go along in Central Park at that hour. Oh, she got me uh, up uh, when uh, a coyote was loose, apparently somehow a coyote had worked its way down from Westchester mm. County. And mm. she had me up 3 o'clock in the morning out there walking around Central Park. <laughs> She's looking at the different tracks. I said, well, how can you tell the difference between a dog track, because it's dog walkers galore, and the coyote track? She'd get down. She'd look at the the, the print. She'd say, oh, this is a coyote print. And she'd be following the coyote print. And she'd say, well, you're going to follow along or you're just going to try to hold up the tree? <laughs> Unbelievable. I saw in Hackettstown, I saw a fellow who gave a speech. He was a tracker, and he actually has uh, classes uh, down in the Pine Barrens. I forget his name, but he's one of the nature guys who, uh, for a week, they'll uh, be out in the wilderness in Pine Barrens in New Jersey there with that, uh, what do they call him, the uh, Jersey Devil? Sure, <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. You never know what you're going to come up with. Uh, you're going to learn a lot, of course, uh, being out in the woods. And, uh, oh, geez, I just luckily I caught your uh, first caller there, Harriman from Blairstown. And mm. uh, I'm up here in Sussex, too. So it's a, it's a great thing. I just saw a deer as I went from my mailbox today. <laughs> there was a deer with antlers, a little thing, whatever. I guess there were males uh, crossing the street. I mean, we have turkeys going across the front yard. The next-door neighbor just feeds them bird seed or something and mm. got turkey farm and i uh and we had a fox actually uh yelling i would chase him on my <laughs> at night to get him out of the neighborhood oh what an ugly scream this red fox or whatever it was i don't know coyotes mm. whatever we have but i don't want to see any mountain lions <laughs> that's for sure well appreciate it appreciate you uh connecting uh giuseppe telling you Full moon out there, and she tells me, I'll be right back. He said, where are you going? She said, I'm going in the Central Park. Within a half hour to 45 minutes, she's baying to the moon, just like a wolf, just like a wolf. Because her nickname is Lone Wolf One. God. Wakes up the whole neighborhood. Neighbors are coming at you. Well, can you, can you control your wife? I said, hey, it's, it's lunar. When it's a full moon, she's like, she's like possessed. Our number is 833-969-4447.
That's 833-969-4447. It's another side of midnight. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. Amped up, ramped up, and yet given almost no radio play over their 50 years to have such a phenomenal following in their, I guess, their Kiss Army, and be able to pack, pack these uh, places where they do their concerts all over the world, where they're wrapping it up after 50 years on December 1st and December 2nd. Back-to-back, belly-to-belly at Madison Square Garden. They say the kiss was born in New York City on 23rd Street half a century ago. And it'll be a privilege and an honor to finish touring at Madison Square Garden 10 blocks and 50 years from where they first started. Could never figure it out 50 years ago. When uh, I knew people who, like, uh, religiously followed him, couldn't figure it out 30 years ago, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, and I can't figure it out now. Maybe you can help me with that, 833-969-4447. That's right, it's a new number. I'm going to kill Verizon, that's for sure. They've been messing up with our phone lines. That's 833-969-4447. Four, seven. When you think about it, the effect that they have had globally is coming out of New York 50 years ago of 23rd Street. That's amazing. 833-969-4447. Let's go to George in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, George. Hi, Curtis. Good to talk to you, man. I love you to death. And I love what your wife does all the time. I do the same thing over in Sandy Hook, where I live, in New Jersey. Uh, listen, I mainly called because, uh, because I got a couple of groups. I really would want you to listen to a few of their songs. But I also got something real good for you for uh, Frankie, Frankie <laughs> the Weasel and Sid the Rat. Both backstabbing good for nothing. Well, I like That's that. The Frankie the Weasel, Sid the Rat. They stab you in the back and stab you in the front simultaneously. And remember, the Ides of March are coming March 15th. And maybe both these guys are going to try to take me out. Uh, no, they won't. We ain't going to let them. I'm going to tell people, man, I've been listening to you for years and years. 
I was listening to you when you used to be on Imus's show. When you and your first wife, remember what you guys did a long time ago with those lamps? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's how long I know you, man. But I got a couple groups I would really like you to listen to. Uh, one is called Paramore, and they have a lot, pretty much more than a couple of good songs on their albums. But the best song I like is Misery Business. Hmm. Then there's a group, a group called King of Leon. Their best song is uh, Sex on Fire. And then there's a couple other groups that you can really bring around with. It. They're called the Stokers and the Killers. But I just wanted to say that to you so you could listen to some of that music. Because, man, I seen Santana for five bucks in a, in a Jewish place in Elizabeth, New Jersey, I seen the who when he was doing the Schaefer Park Award Theater. I think you might remember them in Central Park. We seen BB King there. We seen the Who there. I mean Led Zeppelin. I seen them twice. I seen the Stones three times. Santana, Janis Joplin, Capitol Theater. You name them, I've been to see them all. And all these Black Sabbath down in Asbury Park Convention Hall, Grand Funk Railroad down there. Six bucks, man, when I used to go and see him. Wow. Now, really, I, uh, look, I have I, your man, Avery, look up those couple of songs. Sure. And I think you might like them groups. Well, now, let me ask you a question. Since you've seen such a panoply, a variety of different groups, which is the group out of the many that you've saw that you felt like, wow, this is beyond my wildest dreams, how good they are in concert? Nobody puts on a better show than the Rolling Stones. Hmm, hmm. Period. And uh, which Pink Floyd comes close, mm. Led Zeppelin comes close, The Who comes close, Santana comes close. But if you really want rock and roll and maybe it's a little bit of Spanish music in there, like do a breakfast album for Santana, outstanding. You can listen to the whole album. Curtis, when we were young, we didn't just get two songs that were good on the album. We probably got out of the six songs. Four, maybe five of them was always real good. And then when they used to do 12 songs, you always got 10 songs out of of your own stones. And here's a Rolling Stones song that I hope you look up. It's called Factory Girl. And it's the sweetest song that you could possibly think of that the Rolling Stones would ever record. So Factory Girl by the Rolling Stones. Yep, Factory Girl. And I mean, that's like the one song that Sister Morphine. Oh, Sister Morphine. Yes, sir. Mm. Now, and was there ever... I'll let you know that I listen to you all the time, man, and right. I'm not sleeping right now. That's right, till the break of dawn. But, George, question, out of the many concerts you've gone to, what was the most disappointing concert you went to where they didn't live up to the hype? Uh, we went to a, a group. Uh, we were seeing, going to see The Who. It was The Who... B.B. Uh, King and this group from Canada, we booed them off the stage, this group from Canada. Huh. I can't even remember what the hell their name was. Wow. <laughs> you booed them off the stage. <laughs> and you know who you'll love if you really listen to their albums? The Kinks. The Kinks? I used to see the Kinks in the village game for eight bucks. And the two brothers used to fist fight. <laughs> wow. Twice they were beating the shit out of each other on the stage. Mm, mm, man. So you, you used to you used to go to uh, concerts quite regularly. 
bar in New York for music bar was a bar called Good God Doogie on 3rd and Sullivan. Now, I know it was bought by some damn foreigners some years ago, but I still got my baseball shirt that we used to play softball there. We used to play some of the police departments and some of the other uh, knuckleheads up there that would be all stoned out all the time. We'd have to send a field with overdosing. Cousins would let us saw a ball go through his legs because he ate a, a big uh, chunk of hash. <laughs> Unbelievable. Wow. But it was one of the best bars in the West Village. The uh, best jukebox in all of the West Village. So the guy had basically I you, taken I a... I other people on the line. Oh, yeah. Well, I remember taking a chunk of hash, man. I remember... I had an abscess tooth. I was working in the uh, Rockies gas station overnights from uh, 10 o'clock at night to 8 o'clock in the morning. 10-hour shift. And this abscess tooth was killing me. And uh, one of my cousins sent this guy named Steve. He was in a Volkswagen bus, and he said, Your cousin, your cousin Joey said, uh, You got an abscess tooth. Your tooth is all swollen. Take this. A little aluminum, aluminum foil, and inside was this thick, crusty, brown stuff. Thick. And he said, chew it, and you won't feel no pain. I said, okay, I got nothing to lose. This, this, this dude, you used Ambisol. I mean, how many of you have used Ambisol thinking that that would actually deal with your tooth pain? And in reality, it only made things worse and only exacerbated the situation, Ambisol. So I bit on this hash. I put it right on the affected area because it was really swelling. And I got to tell you, in 15 minutes, I felt no pain. I didn't even know where I was. I was walking around. It's like I was tripping. And I'll never forget, there was a festival nearby. I told the guy at the uh, gas station, hey, man, you just got to relieve me. I got to walk this off. This was not just hash. This was like I was tripping out. And I'm watching the uh, roller coaster go up and down, and I'm watching the Ferris wheel and I'm watching all these rides, and I'm like, ooh, man, I'm like catatonic, just staring. And then it came back, I tried to finish my shift, and the guy told me, nah, you better go home. You, you, I was trying to check the oil, and I couldn't tell the difference between the oil stick, checking the, the dark, uh, old oil, motor oil, and tell it the difference between the transmission oil, which is red. I couldn't tell the difference. I'm like trying to find a hole or put the stick in there, check the oil. Oh, it was a hot mess. But I had no pain. And it lasted for about two days. And then all of a sudden, here it came again, throbbing. The abscess came back with a vengeance. And eventually, I had to go to the dentist, the thing I hate most in life. And, you know, he like tied, tied that, uh, that, that, uh, an infected tooth. Uh, to a little a little string and did like a, a Three Stooges thing, put it right on the doorknob, and it was like going to slam the door. And I said, what? He said, I'm only fooling you. He said, do you remember seeing that with Mo, Larry, and Curly? I said, man, I thought you were going to do that. He said, no, 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 we got to put you under. We got to gotta go in there and cut it out. It's badly infected. So that was my experience with a little chunk of hash, as uh, George was talking about. Although, 
he wasn't using it medicinally or somebody on the other uh, challenging softball team wasn't using it medicinally. I can tell you that much. Exactly. Let's go to Leo, who's calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Leah. Hi, Curtis. Um, first of all, I was very disappointed here that you're uh, shortening your hours. And I was very surprised that I didn't ask you to fill in for uh, James Golden. No, no, you see, they're cutting back on me here, Leah. Uh, but more right, important. That's not why I'm calling. Did you by chance hear Morano on uh, from Friday, Friday morning? No. When he was speaking about the young lady who won the um, the third, who came in third in the uh, fencing uh, in the Olympics several years ago, you might have heard about the incident. No. It was in all the papers, including the Star Ledger, which I know you read. Hmm. No, but uh, inform uh, me, please. Inform right. me and the audience. All right. He was talking about this black Muslim young lady uh, who graduated from Columbia High School in, in Maplewood that uh, uh, came in third in the Olympics in fencing. This was several years ago. And then he went on to say how she was, uh, 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 her uh, second grade teacher told her to uh, remove her hijab in school. Now, actually, he combined the two incidents, the young lady that uh, came in third in the fencing in the Olympics with the second grader whose teacher removed her hijab. There were two separate incidents, and you can check it in the Star Ledger. Oh, no, I definitely will. You know, I save all the newspapers. But, but wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Here's the clincher, and I was fit to be tied Friday and I'm still fit to be tied. He did not mention that the township of Maplewood sponsored a parade for the one that uh, for the uh, young lady that won the fencing. And that parade was held on 9/11 that year. I don't recall the year, but the parade was held on Saturday of September 11th. And well, you, I don't, didn't mention that. Not at all. Now, I have photographs. I personally didn't go. But I have photographs and flyers from that parade with the uh, 9-11, you know, the uh, 9-11 crossed out that they were giving out and they were uh, hanging on trees. Mm. Plus the fact they were marching, they brought in busloads of Muslims, some of whom came from Seton Hall University, and I know this for a fact. And they were carrying Palestinian flags through the town of Maplewood. Wow. Frank never mentioned that. No, no. Not, not a word, right? Not a word. And like I said, I was fit to be tied because, as I said, I didn't go. I had another commitment that day. But I had pictures that were taken, and I had the actual flyers with 9-11 crossed out. Why do you think, Leah, that Frank Morano kept that from his presentation? Why? Why do you think he did that? I really don't know. And quite frankly, 
uh, I, I don't like to call him because when I call him, uh, he says very unkind things to me. Mm. And I tried to get him because I was just fit to be tried. And I think the public should be aware of this. Yes, absolutely. I, I but fu- un, un, unfortunately, my calls were not taken. Wow. Ah, oh, that's 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 and, that's dastardly. And, and Curtis, and Curtis, if you want to verify any of this, you can contact the Star Ledger. No, no, no. I've got my copies of the Star Ledger. Trust me, I never throw anything out. That's why people are busting my stones here. They say I'm creating a fire hazard because of all the clutter I have. I have the Newark Star Ledger. Now, I have the Bergen Record. I have the Asbury Park Press. And naturally, I have the New York City-based newspapers. I have quite a newspaper collection here, Leah. Now, she was uh, honored. I mean, uh, she was the first Muslim to wear the hijab in the Olympics. And Frank Morano and Frank Morano never mentioned it. Yeah, he did mention that. Oh, but only that. that. The only that he didn't mention the worst part of it. He did not. He did not mention about the parade. Sheesh. How could he miss that? How how could he not talk about that? Because, quite frankly, I think he's a troublemaker. Yeah. No, there's no doubt. He's in more ways than one. In more ways than one, because the other incident that he, he tried to connect the two incidents, that she was honored uh, for being the first Muslim uh, to wear the uh, uh, the Hoosier watches in the Olympics, and she came in third in the fencing, and the other incident where the uh, girl was, uh, the girl's teacher t- uh, took her hijab off in school. And he made it a point that the girl's teacher, the teacher that supposedly removed the hijab, was Jewish. Mm. And this is he what brought that out. That Frank had he to bring his because he, he made quite a big because he's Leah. He's a freaking troublemaker, Frank Morano. Well, I just hope that. Uh, you know, you don't have any more time to duck it. Well, let me tell you something. This is a cabal. First engineered by Frank Morano a long time ago, went to management and ownership and said, why does he have so many hours? I have so many friends, so many friends. I have a list of 72, 72 people who could easily do a show here at WABC. And I looked at the list. It was a tawdry list. It was a list of retreads. It was a list of Norduels. It was a list of people who had done st- Shows a month of Sundays ago, they sucked then and they would suck now. And he wanted to burden WABC with them as host. And I said, over my dead body. When I said that Broadway, Bill Lee, he threatened some form of retaliation and revenge. And I see what it is now. In a few hours, I would normally come in and do 3 to 5, right, in preparation to come back and then do 9 to 11 and then finish out the week uh, with the animal welfare uh, program from 11 to 12. I mean, that's I've been doing that for a while. Oh, no. He had to insert himself. He had to complain. He had to, he had to climb the management ladder. He told sales. He told the promotions. He went into every department of the radio station that has little or any impact on me and just started complaining, including the HR. 
And then he claimed it was detrimental to my health. Could you believe this, Broadway Billy, that it was important that they take hours away from me because he felt that I had become a raving lunatic and a threat to the other members of our staff here at WABC, especially the one hour that I do every Monday through Friday from 12 noon to 1. He said he is irascible. He is out of control. You've got to take away some of his hours. And just by sheer, the sheer pugnacious attitude of Frank Morano to deep six me, he succeeded in that mission. So in a few hours, unfortunately, I will be uh, like a hen warming the three to four o'clock hour, introducing all of you to Laura Curran, who will be on from four to five. And then after that, Sunshine Ernie Anastas and his uh, co-hostess, uh, Patricia, and I know what's going to happen. That three to four, that's going, going, gone. They're going to bring in uh, the rude boy, Andrew Giuliani. Yep, I'm going to give that to him. And then you can forget me on Saturday afternoons. And, you know, they're not giving any of that back to me. They claim it's too much, Curtis. Too much, Curtis. I say that too far. 1-800-848-9222. Now you got me mad, Leah. That's 1-800-848-WABC because you reminded me of how Frank Morano, that mameluke, had stabbed me in the back and stabbed me in the front simultaneously. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. That's a good song by Kiss. This is what I wasn't privy to while growing up. 50 years they've been in the business. Last tour, last go-around for Gene Simmons and his crew. In fact, they'll be finishing up December 1st, December 2nd. They claim where it all started 50 years ago, Madison Square Garden. Never, never. Never was exposed to Kiss. I knew of guys and gals, you know, they went to Kiss. They had the wall-length posters, they had the magazines, they had all that stuff. But I never heard it on the uh, airwaves, so I just figured they were a band of no consequence. Little did I realize. Little did I realize. Anyway, let's go to Yvonne calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Yvonne. Hey, Curtis, darling. I want to know something. Who do I have to talk to? Who do I have to write a letter to? Whose desk do I have to pound my fist on to make sure that you stay on the air? And not this 12 o'clock fakakta stuff. 
I will I tell you, I will tell you uh, specifically, Yvonne, this was not done by the ownership or the management. This was done by Frank Morano. I have watched him over the months. He has been pushing management, saying, you know, Curtis has too many hours. We should have some of the hours there to, to develop other talent here at WABC. And he has just nagged them, nagged them, nagged them that they have capitulated to his will, Yvonne. Oh. And it got he, so he bad. Take it, over Biden's job. I know it got so bad that at Ferry Hawk Stadium, where our owner operated John uh, <clears throat> John Katzmatidis and his wife Margot were there. They was he was signing his book. A lot of people were there. A lot of the personnel at WABC and Frank Morano, apparently, according to all who were in attendance was running around saying to John and Marco, look, Curtis is not here. He's not here. He's not a team player. Meantime, I was out at the St. Patrick's Day Parade and and filling the gap that was left by Sid Rosenberg, who lives out there, who didn't even attend. Unbelievable. Yvonne, please, put the pressure on Frank Morano, would you please? I will, absolutely. And I got a whole bunch of people in back of me. And family. Good. Oh, yeah. Good. Italians. Good. Big. Lobby. Lobby. Because it's Frank Morano who started this stuff. It's Frank Morano months ago who said to me, why do you need to be on so many hours? Oh, man. As as our caller originally mentioned at the start of the show, Frank Morano is not just a backstabber. He's a frontstabber, too. Let's go to Christine, who's calling from Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Christine. Hi, Curtis. I have an issue with Frank Morano. Uh, the other day he had Ralph Nader on as a guest. Yes. And I remember very well back when they elected Bush instead of Gore years ago, with the hanging chads in Florida and everything. The real cause of the of the turn of the election away from Gore to Bush was Nader who jumped in and ran for the presidency at that time. And a lot of people criticized him and said, you're going to lose the election for Gore. He said, no, no, no. If I am a threat to Gore, I'll step in and give him all my credits. Well, he lied. He didn't. And he got a lot of votes in critical Florida away from Gore. And the problem is that we wound up with the neocons, Mm. Bush and Cheney and that gang, which led to the disaster of the invasion of Iraq and the fall of the towers. Mm. Mm. This is Frank Nerano. I I listen to WABC because it's conservative. Mm. I'm a fan of America first. And by God, do we need that now when we see what's going on? Uh, and the last person I want to see is Nader. Nader is a minion of Rockefellers. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. And that's courtesy of Frank Morano. He has been but promoting. He's the one that brought him in. Yeah, and, and, and he's been promoting. And watch, he's going to try to get Ralph Nader an hour each week. He'll lobby against oh, me. They'll yeah. try to take another hour away from me. Nader is, is uh, a, a, a hidden dog. You don't want Nader on WABC if you're supporting a conservative uh, 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 group of people. If you want to have Trump and America first or DeSantis, you don't want Nader in there because he's a supporter of the neocons. You see, as a caller mentioned hours ago, Frank Morano is just a troublemaker. A troublemaker, Christine. 
Well, you've got to tell uh, Mr. Kasimikides the truth about what Nader really is, because I lived through that, and I remember it very, very well. And I've done some research, too, and I've seen that Nader is a, a minion of Rockefeller. And by the way, and, Christine, uh, um, I stood up to Ralph Nader. Do you remember the car that he wrote the book about when he took on the big three Ford, General Motors, and Chrysler? No, refresh my memory. I don't remember that. Remember, you wrote it about uh, a car, and uh, it was uh, it was problematic because a strong gust of wind would push it over if you were driving it. Uh, and he made his bones on that car, and eventually General Motors had to recall it. And it, 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 from then on, he was like considered a god, a guru, and to Frank Morano. There is one person who supersedes all people, and that's Captain Kirk, as you know. Everything is Captain Kirk. And then it's Ralph Nader. Then then he bows to his master, Ralph Nader. And then he's uh, he's out to take hours from me, Christine. And you see, this is what this well, guy Ralph does here at Nader WABC. Ralph Nader is a flaming liberal. What's he doing on WABC when we're trying to get a conservative president elected in 2024? I am we're telling you, I'm telling you, this is part of the master plan of Frank Morano. When he was laughing and running up to John and Margot Casamitidis and our management at Ferry Hawk Stadium. And then saying, see, see, Curtis is not a team player. He's not here. He's not here. Meantime, I was at the St. Patrick's Day Parade in the Rockaways, the first of 10,854 St. Patrick's Day Parades that will take place in the tri-state area in the month of March. And I had to fill in because Sid Rosenberg, who lives out there, Bell Harvey likes to talk about, oh, I'm in the Rockaways. I met this guy, that guy, Mr. Gooch here, you know, at the 7-Eleven. Uh, Mr. Gooch here. He always like, and didn't even bother showing up at the parade. You know how he is, Broadway Billy. Stuck the shiv in me, in my back, and in my front simultaneously. And the Ides of March isn't until March 15th. I have a feeling he's going to be teaming up with Sid Rosenberg likewise. Remember, a two Brutus? Yeah, yeah, they'll be sticking a shiv in me every which way. But I will persevere. I will stand up. I will. I will attack friends and foes. And I will continue to be a fiend and a foe to Sid Rosenberg every Monday morning at 7.05, Wednesday morning at 7.05, and Friday morning at 7.05. And I will continue to assist Avery as we are in the next hour for what will be, once again, the funniest hour in all of talk radio. As uh, laboriously, Avery has dissected and bisected 20 hours of Frank Morano talk in his nationally syndicated show Monday through Fridays from 1 to 5 and has boiled it down and has found language that Frank uses that he doesn't even realize in saying it. That he's making fun of himself, and we're going to bring that to all of you, and you're going to get a great belly laugh up next. 
Check this out. On the weekend, take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep, and neither does Curtis Lewa. On another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Now, to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. So good, Def Leppard, hysteria, and that's what Frank Morano brings to radio station WABC. On the worst side of the other side of midnight, Monday through Fridays, in his syndicated talk radio program across the nation, and now, yes, Broadway Bill Lee trying to take hours away from me Sunday afternoon. It's going to start there, and I know, I know what it's going to uh, eventually manifest itself into. But I'm drawing the line. That's right, the Maginot line. Because he doesn't like it when Avery takes the full hour to dissect and bisect everything he has regurgitated within the past 20 hours of last week. So, Avery, let's uh, get right down to it. He's going to probably complain about this on Monday. He'll be belly aching, moaning and groaning. And let me tell everybody out there, if you're a rat for Frank Morano, tough noogies. This is the funniest hour in all of radio. And uh, we start by talking about Frank Morano's favorite subject, which is his Aunt Camille's egg salad. I forgot to mention this yesterday. I have brought in the latest batch of my Aunt Camille's egg salad. So I have not sent out an email to the whole station yet, but I did give a preemptive text to our guys that work here and uh, Curtis Lewa, who I know is a, a big fan of this egg salad in spite of whatever he says on the radio. God. This egg salad and his Aunt Camille. His Aunt Camille's 
Like I'm telling you, I don't know why he's so obsessed with egg salad. And it's, I mean, and he, and he give he gives his people the, the heads up. You know, y'all go get it first because you know once I put the once I put it out there, it's gonna be a stampede. <laughs> everybody, y'all go get grab some first. You know, my Aunt Camille egg salad, eggs and mayonnaise. Everybody, I got eggs and mayonnaise in the fridge, and it's still there. It's still there. It's still there. So uh, people are, are, are wise to what this is, man. This is a quick way of getting salmonella or E. coli, the flesh-eating virus. My Aunt Camille's egg salad. She boils eggs. She puts mayonnaise. She mashes it together. It's egg salad as we know it. And I don't know why he keeps bringing this up. And he puts a little canister of rich crackers there so that you can dip it. You know, you can dip it. It was such a creepy food to try to give people. Like, I don't understand this. He walks around. And, you know, he's got the, uh, he's burping the uh, the Tupperware that he's got in. He burps it every few seconds because the noxious gases are emerging. And then he's he's taking the Ritz cracker in there and just dipping out of it. My egg salad. Egg salad. It's egg salad season. It's egg salad season, everybody. <laughs> Come and get it while it's cold. Come and get it while it's cold and disgusting. Well, it's still in the refrigerator. Nobody's a sucker around here, Frank. But anyway, the but listeners. God, Frasier. They're calling again. God, that's my wife's favorite program. Avery, he hates the McWhitey, Whitey, Frasier. They're coming back for a third season, believe it or not. Third season. I still don't believe it. You're going to be tortured by this. I still don't believe it. Anyway, the listeners are, well, they're mounting a revolt against Frank the Mamaluke Morano. Just listen to this uh, letter that Frank Morano is reading that was sent by a woman named Sarah. Sarah, no last name. In the Bronx, sends me very nice handwriting on Sarah here. Uh, let's see. All right. She sends me this letter, which reads, Frank Morano, you have a habit of raising your voice when you want to make a point. You sound like an old woman with her period. I need to change the channel. I cannot listen to you. Please take elocution lessons. Your voice should be on a lower pitch and modulated in order for your audience to feel comfortable listening to you. Well, uh, the, Sarah. Okay, well, thank you, Sarah. <laughs> Constructive criticism. Your voice sounds like a woman on a period. <laughs> <laughs> and you know it's bad if she turned the channel and felt the need to write. Oh, God. <laughs> No, this is not enough. This is not enough for me to turn the channel. Where's my pen and paper? Oh, my God. (laughs) God, but it is constructive criticism. She is spot on. She is right. His voice is like that. His voice is like a little drill. A little drill in your ear. (laughs) A high-pitched drill. Like somebody threw a cat in a blender. It is, it is like that. Oh, my God. I don't think you want to use that analogy. I got enough problems at home with Nancy. Oh, sorry. Baying to the moon like a wolf. Now you say it's like throwing a cat in a blender. Sorry. Oh, it's, it's okay. I'll deal with that. <laughs> and anyway, here is a caller named Scott calling all the way from Rocky Mountain High, Denver. Scott is in Denver. Hello, Scott. When you first brought this topic up, 
I was thinking you, you immediately reminded me of something I heard on local radio in Denver years ago. This um, radio host and his father, they sat around in the studio and counted up the change in their pockets. And, uh, well, based on how interesting that is, hopefully this is a short segment. Well, gee, thanks, Scott. Gee, <laughs> <laughs> and this, this is what Frank gets for trying to do all these stupid segments. I think that what he was. I think that night he was act, he was actually trying to see if he could hear paint dry on the show. Oh God! He had everybody be quiet to see if he could hear paint dry. But this guy, he like dropped the hammer on it. I got to hear that again. The guy from Denver, Scott. Just... Scott is in Denver. Hello, Scott. When you first brought this topic up. I was thinking you immediately reminded me of something I heard on local radio in Denver years ago. This um, radio host and his father, they sat around in the studio and counted up the change in their pockets. And, uh, well, based on how interesting that is, hopefully this is a short segment. Well, gee, thanks, Scott. Come on. Wow, Scott. (laughs) But, But... you have to you have to go with the, the the skill and the delivery. You see how he had him on the edge of his seat the whole time, and yep. then smacked him in the face with it. Yep, yep. That was skillful. Very skillful delivery. Oh, that there. was good, Scott. In Denver, very skillful. Frank would have hung Scott up on him. Is in Denver. Hello, Scott. When you first brought this topic up, yeah. I was thinking you immediately reminded me of something I heard on local radio yeah. in Denver years ago. This um, radio host and his father, they sat around in the studio and counted up the change in their pockets. And, uh, That's something well, Frank would do, too. How interesting that is. Hopefully this is a short segment. Well, That's, gee, thanks, Scott. Gee. That's something Frank would do, too. How, how much change do I have in my pocket? That's a segment. That's a whole segment for Frank. Well, because it's a show about nothing. That's a whole segment. Oh, my God. And then he fashions himself as a Jeopardy champion, Frank Morano does. One of the things that I get frustrated by is when I'm watching Jeopardy and I don't know some of the state capitals, what <laughs> what kills me even more is when a category is world capitals and I forget about not knowing the answer. The answers are... Capitals, you know, are cities that I've never even heard of. Kills me. So what I did this weekend, I bought two collections of flashcards. I'm going to use these to memorize every state capital by tomorrow and every world capital by next week. I have my wife quiz me every single day until I get all these state capitals and world capitals committed to memory. Yeah, yeah, drag her into it. Why, Frank? You are a grown man. Why? Why would you do this? Are you gonna write a book? You gonna write a little book report for it afterwards? And take it to the teacher. <laughs> and, and how how good are you in Jeopardy if you don't know state and and, and world capitals? That, like, <laughs> how good are you? How good could you possibly be in Jeopardy if you don't know that stuff? And then you're gonna make your wife quit you. <laughs> He got flashcards. And, you know, he's always complaining about how much time he never has. I don't have any time. But you're going <laughs> to you're gonna buy flashcards, a grown man, and learn the, the, the state capitals. For what? And then he's protective of Mr. Peanut? I, I've always been very protective of Mr. Peanut. I like his whole class act kind of a deal. I, I, he, he exudes gentlemen. What's your difference? <laughs> Look, man, I I told you this, Curtis. I said this. 
TV raised that guy, man. <laughs> he loved those television characters. I'm telling you, he's potential Mr. Peanut. Probably like, remember Louie the Lightning Bug and like Smokey the Bear? Like, I'm telling you, those are the people that raised Frank. He spent, he spent his whole childhood sitting in front of that TV. That's why he's protective of people like this. Fictional characters. Why is he protective of Mr. Peanut? Can I hear that? Can I hear that again? I've always been very protective of Mr. Peanut. I like his whole class act kind of a deal. He exudes gentlemanliness. Hey, what, Frank, how many times have you had to um, protect Mr. Peanut's honor? <laughs> Who's walking around arguing with you about Mr. Peanut? <laughs> the monocle and the cane and the top hat. I hate Mr. Peanut. Like, how, like, how many people do you come across like that? <laughs> that you're always, that you're always very protective of him. In the supermarket, you yeah. know what he, he he's, looking, he's looking at the canister. <laughs> he's looking at the canister. I hate Mr. Peanut. What? <laughs> Come here, sir. I'm going to straighten you out. <laughs> Mr. Uh, Peanut is, is a positive symbol. Oh <laughs> and wait, wait. Frank has absolutely no shame. Look at what he's willing to do just to keep talking to people. I will go to anywhere that I am invited to speak. And I stand by that, honestly. And, um, and so I'm mentioning this because if you want me to speak at your event... Doesn't matter whether you're Republican, Democrat, communist, non-political, whatever. I I'm going to say what I'm going to say regardless. <laughs> but I will be happy to speak at your event. I will go absolutely anywhere that I am invited to speak. So if you want to invite me, you can email me. Oh my God, yeah. he's begging people to invite I him. I told him I'm going to call Louis Farrakhan. Somebody... <laughs> <laughs> hey Farrakhan, I got somebody you absolutely need to hear. I got somebody that wants to come and speak and speak at your next event, and he'll come and do it, and and he won't even care, or or like or, or to the to the Mount Zion Baptist Church or somewhere. Oh my God, can I hear that again? Is 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 he so desperate that he would go anywhere in the world in order for people to pay attention and listen to him? I will go to anywhere that I am invited to speak. And I stand by that, honestly. And, um, and so I'm mentioning this because if you want me to speak at your event, it doesn't matter whether you're Republican, Democrat, communist, non-political, whatever. I, I'm going to say what I'm going to say regardless, but I will be happy to speak at your event. I will go absolutely anywhere that I am invited to speak. He did say So what? if you want to invite me, you can email me. He did say whatever, but... He was very specific about the other groups, and he did not say black. Yes. He did not say black, but the whatever, I guess, covers him, but he did not say black. Well, why don't you invite him to your church on a Sunday? You're you're there every day what? on Sunday from, like, 8 in the morning to, like, uh, 6 at night. Hey, Frank, come say a word to the come, come, couple words to the people. Come, <laughs> come, come bless them. Come, come edify us, Frank. <laughs> He's, ne <laughs> he's never been in a group of that many black people in his life. But here's what I'm scared of. I'm scared Frank gonna surprise me. Come know all the songs, <laughs> do the electric slide. Like, <laughs> then I will have nothing else to say. I can't say nothing else if he does that. <laughs> like, 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 he'll rob me of everything and then look at me and give me the finger point and then walk out all cool and stuff. I'll be like, Frank, I didn't know, Frank. I didn't know. And now... This could, you see, these are the kind of things that what he talks about up next could lead him into family court. He knows not what he says here. 
I don't currently have a dog because <laughs> I live with three cats that I am the step parent to. However, my mom has a dog, Watson, who I really do view like a brother, and I still, even though I don't get to see him as much as I like, I really do consider him, you know, family. He feels the dog is a brother. <laughs> and this is another piece of the puzzle, Curtis. This is another piece of the puzzle. Watson. He, he got he got one of them, he got one of the families, one of the parents that treat the dog better than him. <laughs> he, he's a step. Step to the three cats. <laughs> what? He got a dog named Watson who he, who he, hey, come, hey, take your dog brother outside for a walk. <laughs> come see your dog brother. <laughs> hey, the father comes home. I'm home from work. Where's my, where's my special little man? Not you, Frank, the dog. <laughs> hey, mommy's gonna make your favorite dinner. I can't wait for you to taste it. Ooh, no, not you, Frank, the dog. <laughs> Hey, hey, dad, dad got fired today. Dad got fired today. One of y'all got to go up to the to the farm for for the summer. You, Frank, you. Oh man, oh man, I'm laughing so hard, and I know all of you are laughing so hard. As we continue on, Avery slicing and dicing Frank Morano for the 20 hours of a program about nothing that he does Monday through Fridays from coast to coast. Not you, Frank, the dog. This is Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. That's when you hear Frank Morano as he's broadcasting across the country in a syndicated talk format <clears throat> right here at his home station, WABC Mothership Connection, Monday through Fridays, 1 to 5. And then at the end of that ordeal for the listener and for the staff here at WABC, Avery uh, bisects and dissects it. And then comes up with the funniest uh, hour in all of radio based on what Frank Morano says that he's not even cognizant of. In fact, this is a situation that could cause a rift in the Morano household. Listen to how Frank Morano basically talks about how he wishes he were like somebody that he is making reference to. I know a lot of guys who don't want to get married because, uh, and I'll be honest, this was one of the reasons I waited until later in life to get married. They don't want to swear off um, the entire body of, of women for the rest of their lives, right? They don't want to uh, agree to only just one woman for the rest of their lives. What if, in order to encourage marriage, you gave every married person amnesty for one day that they can be with someone that's not their partner. 
right? Wouldn't, wouldn't, that's the kind of out-of-the-box solution that I'm talking about. Yeah, that's the kind of out-of-the-box solution that <laughs> of he, he wishes he yeah. had. That's, kind of, that's the kind of – everybody's talking about it. All, all the married people are probably talking about that. Oh, my God. Yeah, it, that's called a hall pass, but you knew that, Frank. Don't play stupid. <laughs> and then Rachel, poor Rachel, is listening to this. Well, he made sure she was listening. He was like, he was like Rachel, uh, listen to the show at 2.19 a.m. <laughs> Make sure you turn the radio on at 2.19. No reason. No reason. Make sure you turn it on. There's some interesting stuff going to be discussed. Yeah, and then uh, he's got a new obsession. You know, first it was Tully Gabbard, Tulsi Gabbard. Give him no play. Uh Then it was Selena Gomez. She gives him no play. Then it was uh, Cinema, the U.S. Senator and... Arizona, who uh, he was obsessed with because she's a bisexual. And now, apparently, he's on to Mariam Williamson. He's running for the presidency again on the Democratic line. It looks like Nikki Haley will not be the only woman running for president. Two things. One, Marianne Williamson is 70 years old. She looks amazing. I mean, I remember th- two, three years ago, Bernie, Bernie McGurk and I would talk about oh, come on, Frank. her when she would appear in the debates. She would say some wacky things once in a while. But both of us remarked uh, what an attractive woman this is. I would, if you just showed me her face and showed me her speaking and let me listen to her speaking, I would never say this woman is 70 years old. This this has to go back to like an auntie or a grandmother or something, man. <laughs> like these these people, like, and that's another thing. When he talks about a male politician, the the resume comes first. When he talks about a female politician, looks always come first. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And by the way, uh, he hides behind a dead man, Bernard McGurk. <laughs> exactly. That was the that was that was shameful. I mean, we don't know that to be a fact, and we don't have Bernie any longer to ask. Shameful, Frank. That was shameful. But you like him, Frank. Like him? He let those politicians. I don't don't get it. And then he talked about how he likes the way she talks. That he's the guy for twenty twenty four is a good idea at all. You know, she's got such an interesting accent. (laughs) I I know she's from Texas originally, but. I mean, it's sort of a pseudo-Texan accent. It's almost like an affectation. I, I kind of dig it. I like it. And I know she's wacky, but um, I'm glad she's running. Oh, an affectation? Come what what on, the Frank. hell is that? These fancy $5 words? Hey, uh, uh, can, you, can you say it? Can, can you ask me, uh, ask me one more time? Uh, Franklin, did you do your homework? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Miss Williamson. <laughs> <laughs> Did you do it? Are you sure? Are you lying to me? Did you take the trash out, Franklin? Yes, Miss Williamson. <laughs> oh, he loves those multi-syllabic words. Anyway, here he is with his famous uh, favorite sexist and misogynist, Tom Likas. When I was promoting that I was having you on today, one female listener to this show wrote to me and she said, Oh, I can't believe you're having Tom Likas on. He, I hate that guy. Well, what a misogynist. Well, he, the, the, the words that she said was, he doesn't respect women. So uh, let me ask you that, Tom. Are, are you someone that doesn't respect women? I, I'm not looking for respect or to give respect. Mm-hmm. I'm just looking for sex, which is what many men are out looking for. Um, it's not about respect. It's not about conversation. It's not about intelligence. 
It's about sex. How easy is it going to be to get, and how do I get you out of my house after we're done? <laughs> I guess uh, I, I think that the listener may have a point there. I mean, we may chalk that up to, to a no. Frank, pre-screener. <laughs> pre-screener, Frank. You, can you run that question? But, but Can you run it by him before God. you go on the air and, and kind of get a, a gauge how he's going to answer that question? Come on, Frank. What are you talking? What are you doing here? You, but, you, you know this, Avery. He lives vicariously through Tom Likas. He won't say it. I can say it. But he feels that way. And, Frank, I'm telling you, you're not taking everybody down with you. You are not <laughs> taking – you're not going to meet two us out of here. <laughs> that's, this is a, that's a Frank Morano thing. That He does not speak for everybody else. <laughs> Do your research, Frank. Come on. That was a layup question. Do you respect women? You could tell he had no idea what was coming back at him. Frank, pre-screener. Pre-screener. When I was promoting that I was having you on today, one female listener to this show wrote to me, and she said, oh, I can't believe you're having time like us on. He, I hate that time. Well, what are the fuck? Well, he, the, the, the words that she said was, he doesn't respect women. So uh, let me ask you that, Tom. Are are you someone that doesn't respect women? Easy question. I'm not looking for respect or to give respect. I'm just looking for sex, which is what many men are out looking for. Um, you, you can see Frank's face changing. Respect. It's not about conversation. It's not about respect. It's about sex. Please how make it stop. Do to get, and how do I get you out of my house after we're done? <sighs> I guess uh, that's, that's, I, I think that's, that's, the listener may have a point there. Listen to that laugh. Chalk that up to, to no. This is that laugh. Frank yeah. don't know what to do at that He's point. He's living vicariously through Tom Likas. <laughs> the layup softball question. And then Richard Belzer dead, but Frank Morano's got a dance on his grave. Richard Belzer has passed away. <laughs> Actor, stand-up comic, author, and for a time, uh, a radio talk show host. Okay. He was the audience warm-up comedian for Saturday Night Live. And it also opened for Warren Zevon. And I'll tell you, if you go back and look at his stand-up, it holds up today. You ever notice when little kids are embarrassed, they always lift up whatever they have on, like little boys lift up their jackets and their sweaters, and three-year-old girls lift up their dresses. What? I think we never should have stopped doing this as adults. <laughs> Say like you're a 25-year-old woman, you're going for a job, you don't think you're going to get the job, lift the dress over your head. And say, I want a job. I need a job. What? <laughs> you probably get the job. Frank, you could have played any any, any material that of his. You had hours and hours of material to pick from. This is what you play, and you said his his, his stand up still stands up today. You will not meet two us out of here, Frank. I'm nah. telling you right now. I won't let you. <laughs> I refuse to let you take us down. Uh, and then, of course. What is his favorite subject and sometimes the only thing he talks about ad nauseum over and over and over? William Shatner. A guy that genuinely changed uh, the world. It's staggering the number of people that went into science, engineering, aviation because of William Shatner. I would bet you that because of his role as T.J. Hooker, you could say the same thing about people that went into policing. And if I ever became an attorney, which I'm not planning on, but it would be because of Denny Crane and his role as uh, Boston Legal. Oh my God. Shatner, Shatner is the cause of everything good in the world. Shatner is the man. Shatner, 
Shatner is, 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 is the, the single reason that humanity is where it is. That's right. The person won a Nobel Peace Prize as a scientist. Why? Because of William Shatner. Yeah. yeah. Person <laughs> becomes police commissioner in the city. Why? Because of William Shatner. Person becomes an attorney and takes on a very difficult case. Why? Because of William Shatner. A person cures cancer is because he saw an episode of T.J. Hooker. A person, a person, person saves orphans orphan from a burning builder, building because he saw an episode of Star Trek. It's all William Shatner. It's so clear to me now, Curtis. It's so clear to me. And then... There's a per, there is a specific member of his staff who is a runway model. He is your telephone talent coordinator, as uh, Frank likes to refer to him as, <laughs> Kenneth. Now, Kenneth, you are uh, unattached romantically, right? Yes, sir. Well, uh, are this, you allowed to ask that question? I, I probably not. So, um, what? Wh- I'm imagining there have been at times where you've been in relationships. Wh- what's your ordering policy? Hey. Hey, he's been doing it so long. Like he's been hitting on kids so long. Everybody got used to it, except for he had a guest on that. He had a guest on that day, and they haven't been around. So it's just struck. What? Wait a minute. You're not allowed to ask him that, are you? Yeah, let, let's hear that again because even the guest is like, what? What? Now, Kenneth, you are uh, unattached romantically, right? Yes, sir. Well, uh, are you allowed to ask that question? I, I probably not. So, um, what? I'm imagining there have been at times where you've been in relationships. What, what's your ordering policy? Hey, what do you like to eat on a date, Kenneth? Huh? What do you like to eat, eat when you go out? Frank's working up the nerve. Oh God! <laughs> Wait a minute, can you ask him that? Is that is that legal? See, we, the legal team always used to stay with Frank, but Frank, he's been going to therapy and everything. So Darlene from legal went on a vacation, and then Frank just dropped back into his old ways. Oh, my God. Oh. And then you remember the uh, infatuation that uh, Joyless Behar on The View had with Liam Neeson? Well, so does Frank. I'm a fan of Liam Neeson as both a person and an actor. I don't have a crush on him like Joy Behar does, but... He is certainly a handsome fellow. Not as handsome as Kenneth here, but hey, who is? Oh, boy. Here we go. Oh, man. Look, man. (laughs) Frank, man. It goes from funny to awkward at at, at some point. It goes from funny to awkward at some point. Like, how do you do, like, how do you make eye contact with him after something like that? Mm -hmm. I don't understand this. Mm -hmm. Man, at some point they have to have a talk. After they can't can't have a talk. Mm. At some point, Legal team is gonna have to have a talk with Kenneth and, and like give him something so he don't sue. God, he's he's like he's on Kenneth's jockstrap. Unbelievable. And he's been doing so good lately. Mm. I wonder why. <laughs> I wonder why. And then the peculiar, the peculiar things that happen at Shea Morano. And Frank Morano always is a busybody. He's got to bring it to everybody's attention. When you're meeting someone online and a woman is looking at a man, what are they looking for? They're looking at their looks. So if you're someone like me, whose strength is more personality and charm, you would not do well in an online environment. At least not as well as, say, a, uh, a Kenneth. Oh, there he goes again. Like This time he even brings himself down so he can have an excuse to compliment Kenneth. I I don't understand this. Like this this like th- there's no reason to even bring Kenneth in, <laughs> and and yet he still works Kenneth in somehow, 
and Kenneth was probably working on the phone or something, and he like looks up and is like, what, me again? <laughs> well, he's kind of sweet on Ken, you have to admit. Like I'm saying, at some point, at some point, it gets awkward. Like I, I, I'm, like I'm trying, to, I'm trying to work with you, Frank. But I mean, come on, man. And then all of a sudden, uh, Rachel has worked very hard to keep their Shea Morano in good shape, and Frank has to go out and do something that will haunt him for the rest of his life. We we have hardwood floors in our house, and. Uh, I, we After Carmine went to bed on Saturday and my wife and I were watching Tar, I put a fire on in the fireplace. A couple of embers from the fire end up on the hardwood floor. Now, obviously, I scooped them up as quickly as possible, threw them back in the fire. But one ember left a burn mark <laughs> on the hardwood floor right by the fireplace. <laughs> and it looks pretty bad. I mean, it's small, but it's very noticeable. And it's driving my wife crazy. My son Carmine, as he's walking around, he walks right to that burn mark on the hardwood floor. Drives my wife even crazier. Hey, Frank. Wait, like, I don't understand this. So, you know, like people don't actually use the fireplace, Frank. Like, a fireplace is something... Like, people get so you can be a douchebag and brag to your friends about having it. You don't actually use the thing. <laughs> Nobody really sets a fire in their house when you don't have to. You know we've come a long way. It's not 1823. It's, 19, it's 2023. God. I mean, and then you lose control of the fire and almost burn. Like, I don't understand this, man. Like, how do you? And then Carmine. Carmine walks out of the room and walks straight to the burn. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh, hold on, who did this? <laughs> hey, hey, Dad, somebody broke in here and set a fire. <laughs> hey, call the police. Somebody trying to mess with my inheritance. <laughs> oh, somebody trying to burn down our house, Dad. Some moron broke in here and started a fire inside. But that's just it. He's going to end up burning that house down. <laughs> He did it. He did it to his mom's house. Now he's gonna work on his own house. Oh God! You know, like, why do you set a fire in your own house? You know, we've come up with a heating system to simulate the the, the, the feeling of fire, so you don't actually have to set one and go through the dangers of having one. Oh God! In your house, man. Then the embers fly off. Come on, Frank. And then he's got to advertise to the world that he carries two shivs on him at all times because... Junior Hernandez, in spite of the fact that there were two guys beating up his co-worker, Junior Hernandez intervened, and he ultimately stabbed the Burrell brothers, killing the 25-year-old. Hernandez was initially charged with murder! I carry, you know, two knives on me. One is more like a, a, a like a letter opener, if that. It's almost like a nail file. But the other is a real knife. And if you, um, you know, assault one of my coworkers, especially Noam Layton, <laughs> you could expect to be stabbed. That's a guarantee. <laughs> hey, this, this is like the fourth or fifth time we've heard about these knives. That's why he's taking your banana. I'm telling you, something has gotten into Frank, man. He's got two knives, not one, but two knives. Frank said, don't walk over here. I got two things in my pocket. Either it's candy or it ain't. Mm. And I'm going to give you a hint. It ain't candy. 
Wow. He said he's going to stab you. Now, the question is, who does he stab? Who does he protect? Like, like, what, what, which one of his coworkers does he protect, and which one does he let get attacked? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going you know, I'm, I'm to take myself out of that because I know, you know. And remember, <laughs> with... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And remember, with Frank, everything always comes full circle back to who. You did much better than everyone else has been doing this week. Stuart, I'm going to put you on hold. We're going to give you a consolation prize. Thanks for playing. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll call again. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Stuart. Yeah, the person who played Captain Picard in Star Trek The Next Generation and on the show Star Trek Picard and in the Star Trek movies and who played Professor Xavier in the X-Men films was none other than Sir Patrick Stewart, who's terrific. He plays the voice of CIA director Bullock. On um, on American Dad, he was in Conspiracy Theory. He's been in a ton of great movies. Okay. He's a fine actor. He's a Shakespearean actor. Isn't it interesting that both Patrick Stewart and William Shatner oh, were Shakespearean man. actors oh. before playing the captain on Star Trek? God, I'm telling you, this, I told you, this is what I call getting Shatnered. <laughs> like he, I'm telling, he has turned William Shatner, the Shatner last name, into a verb. When you think you, he's going one direction, and then he comes out of left field with a William Shatner reference, it's not fair, and I hate it. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And then he talks about how his favorite people are generally in their 80s. I really don't view 80 as that old these days. You know, one person that I uh, hang around with a little bit um, with my friend Arthur Idala mostly is Geraldo Rivera, who's now 79 years old. This guy is, uh, he has more energy and more youthful exuberance than the two of us combined. The mental acuity is so, is so strong. The only person really more impressive than someone like uh, Geraldo Rivera mm. is someone like William Shatner. Oh, the guy man, is come on. remarkable. He, oh. He's not only quick-witted, he's <laughs> physically quick. He's intellectually oh. sharp. He's showing me how to work a Kindle. I don't know how to work a Kindle, and yet he's giving me a lesson on how to download books on a Kindle. See, he, he, he shattered me again. This is why I have to start putting it down, because when he comes at you about Star Trek or something, you can see it coming and you can brace for it. But now he's talking about things that don't have anything to do with Shatner, and then he just brings Shatner in from the left field. And I'm telling you, it's not right. That's getting Shatnered. Yeah, but wait a second. Uh, remember... He has gone on record as saying that his best friends were in the 80s and 90s. True. 80s and 90s. Can I hear that again? I need to hear that again from high in the sky because now he's talking ageism. Ageism. I really don't view 80 as that old these days. You know, one person that I uh, hang around with a little bit um, with my friend Arthur Idala mostly is Geraldo Rivera, who's now 79 years old. This guy is, uh, he has more energy and more youthful exuberance than the two of us combined. The mental acuity is so, is so strong. The only person really more impressive than someone like uh, Geraldo Rivera is someone like William Shatner. The guy is just uh. remarkable. He He's not only quick-witted, he's physically quick. He's intellectually sharp. He's showing me 
how to work a Kindle. I don't know how to work a Kindle, and yet he's giving me a lesson on how to download books on a Kindle. Why is William Shatner showing you how to uh, – all the reading you claim to do, Frank, you said you got books and books and books and books and books. Why is William Shatner showing you how to use a Kindle? Man alive. Why don't you know how to use a Kindle, at least? I mean, come on, Frank. He's 90-something. He's 91, 92 years old. Uh, let's open up our phone lines. You uh, can get an opportunity to respond to the Mameluke Frank Morano as uh, Avery has put him under a scorching electron uh, microscope with the red dye uh, smeared all over his body. Our numbers, uh, let's make sure we get the right number here because we've changed the number. I want to strangle Mr. Verizon. 833-969-4447. That's 833-969-4447. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. Not be going to sleep. I can hear the things that you're dreaming about. Better not be dreaming. When you open up your heart and the truth comes out. To the break of dawn, I'm taking you home.
No, no, nobody's going to sleep. Nobody's going to sleep. But you know each and every moment of a Frank Morano sleep, he's dreaming, dreaming of going on the road with Captain Kirk, William Shatner, and moderating his appearances for the uh, airing of Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, and then afterwards the Q&A that takes place between Captain Kirk and the audience. He lusts for, he so desperately wants to be the normal moderator and not just to have done the uh, two-step, which was having moderated the session at Red Bank, quickly, uh, quickly followed by the session that took place in Englewood the next day. Now he wants to be permanently the Ed McMahon <laughs> for William Shatner. I offered my services to be the moderator of these uh, Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan screenings. But so far they have, and I said I'll fly out there at my own expense. And uh, so far they have not yet, uh, they, have, they have not said that they want me to come out there. So I'm assuming they made some other arrangements uh, for that. But uh, who knows? I just sent them another email yesterday to see if maybe, you know, I am available if they want me, even if it means going to Georgia, Wisconsin, Michigan, or Indiana. Uh, uh, on four consecutive days. <laughs> hey, hey, have some dignity, Frank. Have some kind of kind of dignity here. <laughs> First of all, they would have made arrangements after the New Jersey show if they wanted to keep you on. <laughs> all right, that's number one. Number two, you offering to pay your own way? You offering to pay your own accommodations? What are we doing, Frank? Come on. <laughs> He's Frank. obsessed. He's obsessed with William Shatner. Frank, and he's, and he's text. I just sent him a text message as I was talking about the last text message I sent him. <laughs> Frank, you will no longer talk to William Shatner. <laughs> William Shatner will no longer be communicating with you. Just, <laughs> just, just like wrap your mind around that concept. This is getting ridiculous. You'll pay your own way. Oh God. And then there was Brandon calling in from New Jersey to the Frank Morano show. Brandon is in New Jersey. Hello, Brandon. Hey, Frank. I uh, just wanted to know, after being such a snotty boy, uh, did you ever hear back from uh, William Shatner or his people? And was there ever a um, doubt that maybe you shouldn't have done it while you were doing it? <laughs> do, do, have, have, did what while I was doing it? I'm sorry? <laughs> do, ha, that I shouldn't have done what while I was doing it? Oh, uh, taking the tissue. Oh, no, no. Uh, so, yeah, I did hear back from them yesterday. They have another moderator for the shows next week. So, uh, but he, he did give me the book recommendation that, uh, that he was reading for me from his Kindle. So I'm going to, uh, I'm going to pick up that book. Yeah, maybe he'll send you a magnet, Frank. That's what you do. <laughs> and then he, he acts like he don't know what the guy's talking about. Maybe he shouldn't have did that thing. Frank. Oh God! You know the thing, right? What thing? Rabbit a debbie debbie do? Like he always, he always get that 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 um that yabba dabba dude speak when, when he gets nervous. Well, now now if you can uh, for the edification of our listeners, in case they hadn't heard that over a week ago, what exactly uh, Avery is uh, is Frank referring to in that uh, video? Well, yeah. So when you know William Shatner blew his nose on stage. And then Frank picked up the tissue and kept it on stage oh. of a grown man. Oh, God. And then <laughs> he, right after he did it, he probably said, okay, so when are we going on tour? <laughs> 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 well, Shannon was like, we'll get back to you. 
We'll get back to you. Like, come on, Frank. How could you possibly think that he would let you go on tour after pulling a well, story I, like I that? Well, I want to hear that again. First off, how he's offering his services back-to-back, belly-to-belly. If we could come in with the first one followed by the second one, there's an air of desperation about Frank Morano that is just so unhealthy. I offered my services to be the moderator of these uh, Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan screenings, but so far they have, and I said I'll fly out there at my own expense, oh. and uh, so far they have not yet, uh, they, have, they have not said that they want me to come out there, so I'm assuming they made some other arrangements uh, for that, but uh, who knows? I just sent them another email yesterday to see if maybe... You know, I am available if they want oh. me, even if it means going to Georgia, Wisconsin, oh. Michigan, or Indiana uh, on four consecutive days. Consecutive nights? Brandon is in New Jersey. Hello, Brandon. <laughs> hey, Frank. I uh, just wanted to know, after being such a snotty boy, uh, did you ever hear back from uh, William Shatner or his people? And was there ever a um, doubt that maybe you shouldn't have done it while you were doing it? Do, do have have did what? While I was doing. I'm sorry. Do, have, that I shouldn't have done what while I was doing. Oh, uh, taking the tissue. Oh no no. Uh, so Take yeah, a guess. Hear back from them yesterday. They have another moderator for the shows next week. So, uh, but okay. he uh, he did give me the book recommendation that uh, that he was reading for me from his Kindle. So I'm going to uh, I'm going to pick up that book. Uh, do what? Frank, take a guess. Brandon is in New Jersey. Hello, Brandon. Hey, Frank. I uh, just wanted to know, after being such a snotty boy, uh, did you ever hear back from uh, William Shatner or his people? And was there ever a um, doubt that maybe you shouldn't have done it while you were doing it? Do, do have, have it, uh, did what? Okay. That I shouldn't have done what while I was doing it. Hibbity, hibbity, hibbity. Oh, no, no. Uh, so, yeah, I did hear back from them yesterday. They have another moderator for the shows next week. So, uh, But he uh, he did give me the book recommendation that uh, that he was reading for me from his Kindle. So I'm going to uh, I'm gonna pick up that book. The guy said, oh, by the way, no biggie, Frank. Uh, Shannon just got a small restraining order against you. It's small. 500 feet. 500 feet. Don't worry about it, Frank. It's a formality. Don't worry. He ends up stalking everybody. What thing? Oh, what, God. What thing? You know the thing. What thing? I, 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 don't, I don't know what you could possibly be talking about. What thing? You know when you took his snotty, snotty rag off the off the table on the, on the, oh, that thing? That little thing? Is that what you're referring to? Anyway, another brilliant job, Avery. The funniest hour in radio. Same time, same place next week to see how ridiculous Frank Morano can sound, courtesy of Avery. It's all in the hips. It's all in the It's all Oofa. The language used by Curtis Sliwa is replete with spoonerisms, malaprops, and fractured phrases, and is not a reflection of the language that you should use in your normal conversations. It is Sliwanics. And a glossary of its words and definitions are posted on WABCRadio.com. Check this out. On the weekend. Ufa. Take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep, and neither does Curtis Lewa. On another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. 
Chaka, 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 Chaka Khan. Oh, yeah. We've been back to back, belly to belly. Just musical extravaganzas here till the break of dawn. As you know, we came out swinging and winging against our own Sid Rosenberg, who was missing in action in the first of what will be 2,856 St. Patrick's Day parades within the month of March. I mean, easily. Easily. And here it is. I slept all the way out to the Rockaways with the Guardian Angels, assuming that Sid Rosenberg, proud resident of El Harbor, next to the ponds at Rockaway Beach, and Rockaway would be there. And he gave us wolf tickets. He was missing in action, as was Eric Adams, his buddy, swagger man with no plan. And so we decided we were going to delve then right into Neil Young, because Neil Young had decided after a bruising battle with uh, Spotify all over his playlist, which include also him getting tactical air support from his fellow Canadian, Joni Mitchell, and the other members of Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young, including including David Crosby, who recently passed away, but had written a beautiful version uh, for me of The Other Side of Midnight to put that battle with Frank Morano to rest, and he certainly did. But uh, it is so interesting that... With Neil Young, we were talking about him getting back on track because he hasn't been out on tour since uh, January of 2020, the beginning of the lockdown and the pandemic here in the United States. And he's willing to re-up, put together the existing members of Crosby, Stills, Nash and & Young and take it from coast to coast. On that note, Pink Floyd was winding down a 50-year career in a few months, he'll be at Madison Square Garden on the 1st and 2nd. And uh, with the specificity of playing their last gigs to all their fans uh, who are in the uh, Kiss uh, Kiss Gang. It's amazing, an amazing 50-year odyssey in which uh, few, if any, of those songs ever made anybody's playlist. But the few that did eke out and reach top 40 in Billboard's uh, almost must-listen. Uh, well... Let's just say it'll be uh, incredible that after 50 years, they finally play their last gig right there in Madison Square Garden on December 1st and December 2nd. And then, of course, we discuss Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon and the ramifications of that album that dealt with schizophrenia and so many other mental health disorders. And here is an album, the fourth largest selling album in the history of album and record playing. You have uh, Thriller, uh, Michael Jackson, that pedophile on a pedestal, followed quickly by the number two album of all time. Hmm. Well, let's skip that over because I believe that was ACDC Back in Black. And the third uh, most selling album is The Bodyguard. The soundtrack for the movie Bodyguard featuring Whitney Houston. I, I get that. Whitney can definitely blow the doors down. And then, of course, uh, there is the uh, song of the moment that everybody is uh, focused in on. And that is Chaka Khan. Chaka, 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 Chaka Khan. Ha! And this is National uh, Women's Month, right? It's all about women. And let me tell you something. 
Shaka Khan doesn't want to be surrounded by any woman, doesn't want to have competition from any woman. The only nice thing she said about any woman in a recent interview was Aretha Franklin garnering the top spot of the Rolling Stones' top 200 musical performers. She didn't have a problem with that. But Chaka Khan seemed to have a problem with almost everything else. The queen of funk, man, she was cutting. Diva, 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 diva. So out of the top 200 singers, according to Rolling Stone magazine, Chaka, 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 Chaka Khan was number 29. Coming out of Chi-Town, Chicago, with David Bowie three positions behind and even Paul McCartney just three ahead, Chaka 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 Khan is leaving such icons as Dennis Ross in her dust. At 87, Janis Joplin, number 78, and Tina Turner, number 55, with Mick Jagger at 52 in the dust. In fact... The Celine Dion crowd that had demonstrations in Montreal when she didn't even make the cut list of 200 said, you got to be kidding. Come on now. <laughs> and then she really went off Chaka 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 Khan, not only taking off against the diva of all divas. Man, I mean, it's sort of obvious. You have Mariah Carey. But now she's taking aim at Adele, saying that she should be far ahead of Adele. And that, in fact, uh, even her longtime friend and now enemy for life, Mary J. Blige, who uh, appears to be at number 25, head and shoulders above Chaka 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 Khan. And Chaka Khan basically said, Mary J. who? You got to be joking. You have to know how to entertain. You have to know how to specifically sing a ballad, a song, a tune to an audience and engage them, not scream at them, yell at them, or threaten murder and destruction and drive-by shootings. Oh, it's so good. So good. Our number's one eight. Well, it's not. we got to use a brand-new number. Let me see if I can reconnoiter it. 833-969-4447. We hate you dearly, Verizon, for screwing up our phone banks. That's 833-969-4447. Let's go to Jack in Manhattan. Uh, your turn to be heard here at WABC, Jack. Hey, Curtis. Listen, here's a theory for you. Curtis, I mean, uh, Frank has that racket report. He always makes them look really good. They didn't get you with the baseball bat. They didn't get you when they shot you up in the cab. They might be trying to go after your wallet now. So they might be using Frank to cut your hours. They come after you financially. That is very cogent, very astute of you, Jack. Uh, how did you? How did you figure that out? I was in law enforcement. Believe me, mm. I know how it. I know how it works. So Frank's they got his become... Frank's got his fingerprints all over this. Oh, I think so. Yeah, but I just don't know who's pulling his strings. You know which one of them. You know they tried to whack you a couple of times, so now they're going to come after you financially. 
because they can't whack you, but they'll whack you financially. They come after your wallet, they come after your hours, and they feel satisfied. That's right. Yeah, you're so spot on. And that's uh, for any of them, uh, any of our listeners who have just joined us. Understand that in a few hours I would normally return from 3 to 5 in the afternoon. But I have been told that because of uh, an inordinate number of complaints uh, filed on behalf of Frank to Mamaluke Morano, who thinks that it is uh, not good that I have so many hours on talk radio because it doesn't give anybody else an opportunity. He has decided to uh, demand that there be equal time for some of the New Jack, uh, New Jack uh, people who want to do uh, stories and uh, want to be able to do programs here. So he's gone to the mat, and because of that, I got a problem. They're taking my hours. Yep. It's starting with three to yep. five, and you know who they're putting I in like there, that. Jack? Oh, well, let's start at three. Three to, to four, and the future will be Andrew Giuliani, that backstabber. He stabbed me in the front, and now he stabs me in the back. I went out there to campaign for him to beat Lee Zeldin on the Republican primary. Uh, I failed to do that. Uh, Andrew Giuliani uh, became a member of uh, Sid's Many Friends in the Morning and appears twice a week. And look at him. He just stuck the shiv in my back. Watch, watch they don't start bringing back the best of Imus, for God's sake. Yeah, I, 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 would, no, I wouldn't doubt that. There is that possibility, I'm telling you. I just, I, I, I just don't like this uh, ether that Frank Morano has created. Instead of well, dealing with reality, what he does is he tries to stack the deck and make me the bully, the bad guy, instead of circling the wagons for me. Well, like I told you last night, with the uh, construction for the casinos, the mob's trying to get relevant again. So you never know. They might be coming after you financially because they can't whack you. That's true. That would hurt the most. But I will uh, definitely be uh, watch my back on that. No doubt about it. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. If you hadn't heard... A cabal has taken place here at WABC. You will have uh, Ernie Anastas and his partner who will come on at, uh, I believe, 6 o'clock. From 6 to 7, they'll be on TV, but they'll also be uh, simulcast, I believe, right here at WABC. Because what's Ernie Anastas without a camera? So even if uh, Broadway Bill Lee, you got to run a placebo camera to make him happy, Just make sure the placebo camera is in here in Studio One in the Bernard McGurk Studios. And don't worry, we'll bamboozle him. He's a TV guy, but he's on from uh, 5 to 6. Prior to him, substituting for me will be uh, the former Nassau County uh, uh, executive, Lauren, uh, who uh, lost a race to a guy who cannot chew gum and think at the same time now. Uh, that's uh, Bruce uh, Bruce Blakeman. But Laura Curran will be hosting her own hour from 4 to 5. And then, uh, man, I'm telling you, this, uh, this schedule is lighting up, but I'm being depleted more and more and more. And there's something just un- un- unjust about all of that. 
especially since for a while they were on the weekends, WABC uh, meant always broadcasting Curtis. Our number is 833-969-4447. That's 833-969-4447. It's another side of midnight. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. declared war against, it seems, almost every woman in the music business who has been rated ahead of her in terms of a recent uh, Rolling Stones uh, sort of best of top 200 performance. And she has eyes only on her femme fatale female competitors. She's pimp slapped around uh, Mary J. Blige. Who she liked, didn't like, liked, didn't like. She's back to disliking her. Mariah Carey, diva of all divas. And yes, oh, most importantly, you don't want to mess with Chaka 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 Khan because she is infuriated. Infuriated is, is not a strong enough word for what she has to say about Adele. Yeah, Adele. Uh, let me just give you some of the words. She says, these people don't quantify or validate me in any way. Like, I understand Aretha Franklin being in the top spot. She should effing be there. Now, Joan Baez on the bubble at 189, let's be honest, this witch cannot sing. Now, she was a good writer. In granting Mariah Carey the number five spot, however... Kim uh, speaks, Kim suspects the kind of uh, industry chicanery that has long dogged the singer. That uh, must be uh, payola or some uh, blankety-blank like that. Man, she's going off. And with Adele's inclusion, placing her a few spaces ahead of Chaka 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 Khan at 22... That brought on a momentary existential crisis. Okay, I quit. No. However, nothing seemed to prepare Khan for the news that longtime frenemy Mary J. Blige appears on the list just ahead of her at 25. She had a complete meltdown. And then she had recently done an album in which uh, Ariana Grande was doing part of the album, but from a different studio. And she just, like, blew up halfway through the recording, and she said, hey, look, if you're not going to come into the same studio as me, Chaka 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 Khan, you can forget about it. You can go sing on somebody else's MFing project without me, you know? Whoa! 
This is a woman who is mad, 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 mad. Hey, that Mary J. Blige thing is an outrage. That That's an insult. An insult to who? That's an insult to Shaka. That's right. Well, she's insulted by all women uh, on this list of 200, except for Aretha Franklin. She she gives R-E-S-P-E-C-T to Aretha. Yeah, I don't have the list in front of me, but Mary J. Blige should not be in front of Shaka Khan. Oh, Mary J. Blige was uh, hooked up with uh, Biggie, right? Yeah, I mean, but still. No, no. I, I, what, what are you talking about? A Broadway Bill Lee. Come on, man. I think she was hooked up with Biggie. Can you check that in your Wikipedia? As far as what, romantically? No, 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 no. I mean, you know, part of the entourage. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, part yeah. of the junior mafia there, man. No, she wasn't part of the junior mafia. Oh, wasn't part of the junior mafia. Excuse yeah. me, uh, as a white man, I'm not... I'm, <laughs> I, I, I don't have all these uh, what, 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 the nuances nailed down. Yeah, she got ties to Puffy. What was that, Foxy Brown? Is that is that who we're talking about? Well, she was a little more Jay-Z, but, yeah, she got she got ties to Puffy, Mary J, when he was at Uptown. Before Wait a minute, you're Bad giving Boy. me vertigo. So Mary J. Blige, you said, was messing around with Sean Puff Daddy Combs. No, as a producer, like musically. And Foxy Brown was messing around with uh, Sean Puff Daddy Combs, with, right? With Jay-Z. Oh, Jay-Z. That's the rumor. But then again, I thought it was Rihanna who was messing around with Jay-Z. That's the rumor, too. And <laughs> that Beyonce Thunderthighs uh, got all upset. And then that's when her sister got into that elevator with Jay-Z and tried to pimp slap him around. They, that stuff, that, those are all rumors, and I can't confirm that stuff. Well, what do you mean, man? <laughs> well, the slap I can confirm. Well, that, 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 that's, what, that's, on, that's on tape. That's right. She goes into that elevator with Jay-Z and his bodyguard, and she attacks Jay-Z. And he just stands there like, well, you know, I'm just a man, you know. I did what a man does. Man, what the hell? I mean, that is whacked. In the meantime, here's Chaka, 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 Chaka Khan, born and raised in Chi-Town, 70 years old, been entertaining for 50 years. Let me hear it. Let me hear it. And she has gone to war against all black women on this list, except for Aretha Franklin, who she gives R-E-S-P-E-C-T-2. She can't, she can't go at her. Yeah, because she's dead. Yeah, dad, and yeah, she's untouchable. Aretha's untouchable. Yeah. Yeah, take this, James Golden. Bo Snurdly. You got nothing on me, Bo. This woman is taking no prisoners. I mean, look, Adele, Mariah Carey. What? That's right. Taking on Mariah Carey, who's rated the number fifth best performer oh. in the history of entertainment by Rolling Stone magazine. Are we talking performing or singing? Both. Performing, okay. I'm talking, I'm talking about singing. Both, man. You remember Mariah Carey lip-syncing? When the ball was dropping in Times Square and she was, like, fumbling and stumbling all over herself? Damn, that's late. That's late, Mariah. And let me tell you something. There's no way that Mariah can touch 
Chaka Khan sits with Minister Farrakhan once a year to save day celebration of the Nation of Islam right there in McCormick Plaza. Sitting right there with Ice tea, Ice Cube, Ice Tray, one of those ices, vanilla ice, I don't know. Snoop, you know, Snoopy's got to put his blunt away. Don't mess with Chaka Khan, I'm telling you. Don't do it, Avery. Don't do it. I wouldn't. Don't be promoting Mariah Carey, diva of all divas, against Chaka, Chaka, Chaka. Oh, here it goes. Here we go. Here we go. Hey, I I hate to say it. Mariah might have an argument. Hold on a second. Man, check this. Check this jam out. We got to leave it to our audience to make the determinations. Chaka Khan, her 50th anniversary in entertainment has said she's taken on all challenges, mainly from her fellow sisters. On the uh, top 200 entertainment list of Rolling Stone magazine, she's got no beef with Aretha, who's rated number one. But then again, she's dead and departed. But she's at war with Mariah Carey, at war with Adele, and has double beef with Mary J. Blige. Who uh, would you side with, ladies and gentlemen? 833-969-4447. That's 833-969-4447. Oh, let me hear this jam. One time I was training Guardian Angels, Grand Park, North Shore, Chicago, right off of Lake Michigan. As I was putting them through their calisthenics and isometrics, who came walking past? It was Chaka, 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 Khan. Later for you, Mariah Carey. Later for you, Adele. Later for you, Mary J. Blige. Move over. Number one, Aretha. Number two, Chaka, 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 Chaka. What about, oh, what about oh. Whitney? 
yeah, you are. Oh, you're right. I'm telling you, there's a discussion to be had, man. No, 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 no. You mentioned Whitney. In fact, the third uh, most sold album of all time is really Whitney Houston because she's on the soundtrack of The Bodyguard. That's what I'm saying. Are we talking about voice here? We know it ain't, it ain't what's his name, Musclehead, who's uh, singing on that album. What's he out there in the Jellystone National Park there? Yeah, uh, Cosner. Yeah, Cosner. Uh, Dancing with the Wolves. By the way, I better not catch Ken Cosner, Kevin Cosner dancing with my wife in Central Park there while she's howling at the moon. And what, what, what about Patty? Yeah, yeah. Well, well. Before we, I want to make make sure <laughs> Kevin Cosner is not dancing with the wolves, and one of them wolves is my wife Nancy. <laughs> Every time she sees a full moon, man, she tells me I'm breaking out. I say, Where you going? And I'm going into Central Park. What for? <laughs> Don't worry about it. 45 minutes later, I hear her bang to the moon. Lone Wolf 1. That's right. Kevin Costner dancing with the wolves. Keep your mitts off of my wife, Nancy. Now, who are you talking about? Who, who's next? I said, well, I said, what about Patty? Ooh, Patty. No, 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 Patty LaBelle. No, no, cannot touch Chaka Chaka Chaka. What? I'm sorry. Whitney, yes. What? Patty, No. No, 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 no. And so I guess you're going to say no to Gladys Knight, too. Damn right. And the pips. Oh, well, of course the pips. Come on, come on, Curtis. There's a discussion there. Now, Marilyn McCoo, that's a little different. As you know, uh, Marilyn McCoo, born in Jersey City, hustled out by her parents, down to Atlanta, next stop, Los Angeles. Ah. <sighs> That was our balloon theme. Remember when they shot down that red Chinese balloon, right? I mean, that was it. Anyway, let's go to Melvin, who's calling from the Bronx. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Melvin. Greetings. There's a name out there with a whole lot of people who fail to recognize. Miss Nancy Wilson. When you play that song, Face It Girl, and so forth, and the voice she has, she don't get the recognition she's so rich she deserves. But a whole lot of people just... <laughs> Bypass her. Well, you, well, you said that was the stuff she put out there, the, the style she played into it, so forth. Oh, yes. Back in the late 60s. Miss Nancy Wilson. Mm, well, Miss look, 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 Melvin, I am. Oh, that. Even Ella Fitzgerald. Ella, Ella Fitzgerald. Ella Fitzgerald. Okay. All right. Mahalia Jackson. All right. Mahalia Jackson. Okay. They laid the groundwork the ground out there now. They laid mm-hmm. the groundwork out there now. Mm-hmm. You got to get that. Mm-hmm. Even misleading the horn. And so forth. When she busts out there, you got to look at that also. But I understand where you come from with Shaka County else. But once they took music appreciation out the public school system, everything fell apart. That's right. Oh, and as uh, Mayor Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, said, when they took prayer out of schools, guys were carrying we, guns. When we took prayers out of schools, guns came into schools. If you want to carry a gun, go down to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue and just pay a so you're ready to go on the front line and get shipped across the water. When we took prayers out of schools, guns came into schools. What was the war about 54 years ago? Now you're trading with what you call an evil empire. When we took prayers out of schools, guns came into schools. (sighs) Nancy Wilson. Hmm. Yeah, play a song. 
face it, girl. Play it. Hmm. Let the audience judge for themselves. Let's play it. Um, no, we got to pick it. See, you can fly and play it. Pick or pan it. You see, I'm trying to factor it in my thought process here, Melvin, because, you know, I'm such a... You got to hear it. You got to just find it and play it. When you're sitting down, when you're sitting down there with mm, a mm, glass of wine, just mm, sipping on mm, this, listening to what she's saying. You got to have some wine that, that, that sort of like loosen you up. You get a little loosey-goosey in this way. The, the, it flows then. It flows. Now, what you kind of wine? Mad, Mad Dog you. 2020, Wild Irish Rose, uh, Midnight Express? I don't drink that stuff you drink. I drink the good stuff. Well, well, what do you mean the good stuff? Okay. Mid Midnight Express is damn good. You All you do is talk about that cheap stuff you carry around your hip pocket. That stuff you drinking back there in junior high school. Come on, man. Get real. Well, Ernest and Julio G. Gallo, 99-cent chemical wine, man. You know, it's, <laughs> you twist it off the top. Come on. Come on, he give you a little buzz, Melvin. I'm not talking about no buzz. I'm talking about sitting down just exactly and listening to somebody with no time to put a song out there where you can sit up. But yeah, well, well, you see, he he can't he can't deliver a Broadway Bill. He, he he's holding out on us, man. He's holding out on us. Mm. Find the song, please, Nancy Wilson. Man, I'm telling you, Melvin, he's he's playing it off because his favorite. Is Mariah Carey, so he doesn't want to rain on my Mar Mariah Carey, the diva Ms. of all Nancy divas. Wilson, Miss Nancy Wilson could beat Mariah Carey's hands. Oh, down. easily, yeah. without a doubt. There's no doubt about that. I tell you, I tell you, we're going to get to it. We're going to get to it, Melvin. Our numbers. That's a fine, fine Nancy Wilson. Let me explain that, and you'd be surprised. You need to know that. You know, you know we're going to do that. 833-969-4447. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Sounds like Mariah Carey. That's what it sounds like. See, you're cheating, man. You can play Mariah Carey, right? Diva of all divas. What do you mean? You got to find Nancy Wilson or Melvin's going to be upset. He's going to think we have a ban on Nancy Wilson. Our numbers, 833-969-4447. It's 833-969-4447. It's another side of midnight. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. You're just too good to be true. Can't take my eyes off of you. That's for ne Melvin in the Bronx. Be like heaven to Nancy touch. Wilson. I want to hold you nah, so much. Good, but not. She's no chocka, 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 chocka kind. At long last love. See, what she fails to have is that attitude. 
See, Chaka Khan and say, yes. W.A. Sister with an attitude. Yeah. Cause you're just too good to be true. Mm, mm, mm. Can't take my eyes off of you. That's from Melvin in the Bronx. Pardon the way that I stare. There's nothing else to compare. The sight of you leaves me weak. There are no words left to speak. Oh, but if you feel like I feel, please let me know that it's real. Oh, cause you're just too good to be true And I just can't take my eyes off of you She's up there. She's up there. But let's go to Count in Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Count. How you doing, Curtis? I know you don't like that, but how you doing anyway? Uh, listen, can, could you play that Walking in the Sun by Shaka Khan? That's a song. Walking in the Sun by yeah. Chaka Khan. Yeah, yeah, no, we'll get it because right. I have an extensive collection of Chaka Khan, as you know. I've... I've had her back for quite some time in these diva battles. You'll be playing in the next within the next fifteen minutes before oh. you go off the air. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Now, uh, well, what 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 okay. what uh, what caused you to also get lit up by Chaka Khan? Well, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I really like that one song. Is the one that I, I really go for, you know? Mm. And uh, it hit me. It, it's just I, well, I got her CD. Mm. And uh, excuse me, I couldn't get her CD. I had to get Walk in the Sun by another artist. Uh, I forget her name. Uh, she does a pretty good job with it. Mm. But anyway, you know what else? You, you were talking about the Mary Jane girls. I went out and got that CD with that song that you played. You were right, In My House. That's a great song. Yes, yes. You, okay. you remember playing that? Yes, I remember that. Mary Jane girls uh, up there in Orchard Park there with... Uh, with uh, Eddie Murphy when he went up there for a year to learn how to sing. Oh, wait a second. Here, here it is. Here it is. Been walking in the dark long enough to know. I finally see the light. Been losing long enough to know. Yeah, 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 count. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a, that, that, that's goody. That's a goody. I'm telling you, now that was the funniest hour in radio. You get it every week as Avery, our nighttime producer, our phone screener. 
goes through 20 hours of hell, having to cipher uh, through uh, all of the Frank Morano Michigash from the last week. Oh, yeah, Mary Jane girls. Rick James. Eddie Murphy. Now, this is a backup group. You know people are getting out of the clubs right now. See that? Come on over for Count one out and got that CD. Because so I was playing this hot jam. This has a double meaning. You have to understand the double entendre here. You think the uh, Rev and the Rabbi will get down to this, huh? Orchard Park, outside of Buffalo. Rick James, Eddie Murphy, move over for the Mary Jane girls. But wait a second. Back-to-back, belly-to-belly. The other great backup group. You know, because we got a guy named James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley, thinks he's Barry White. And I told him, forget Barry White. It's his backup group, Love Unlimited. Yeah, take that, Tony Orlando and Dawn. He had some good jams last night, 10 to 12. Boy, he got my attention with the stylistics. Got my attention. Cousin Brucey, he was on fire that love hour, that last hour. Vinny Matunio. Climbing the ladder because he's in the JV. JV now he gets the varsity tonight. He moves up eight to nine. Man, he's in the varsity now, eight to nine. They need to give me one of my hours back so I can spin stacks of wax. Oh, yeah. Oh, this jam. Oh, mm. Tony Orlando and Dawn hit a spot with me with this. Hit a spot with me. I can feel it coming out of Philadelphia. I can feel it coming out of Center City. Where Benjamin Franklin looks out, northeast, south, and west. I said, yeah, this is the jam. This is the jam. 
Tony Orlando was on fire last night. So good. I don't think I'll ever talk on the radio again. Just play the jams. You know, I'm coming back at three to warm up for Laura Curran, four to five, and then uh, Ernie and Nasty's five to six are going to hurt me. I got to give up my hours. Got to give up my hours. James Golden, you're no born Harper. I knew born Harper at WBLS, The Quiet Storm. And you're certainly no Frankie Crocker. Orlando was on fire. How am I supposed to do a talk radio program after that? You just want to keep playing jams. And you're giving lessons now, Curtis. You're giving lessons. Show them how to land the plane, Curtis. Show them how to land the plane. We 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 almost at the end, Curtis. Show them how to land the plane. Here it comes. Oh, here it comes. Blue magic, yes. I thought I saw your face. Wearing Putting you smile. to work there, Broadway Billy. The they don't even do this at WCBS FM anymore. Oh, yeah. What's come over me? What's come over me? What's come over me? What's wrong with my ears? They're deceiving. Speak. Calling my name, I must be insane. I just can't explain what's come over me. What's come over me? What's come over me? Tony Orlando was on fire.
Broadway Bill Lee's got the touch, the touch this morning. Whatever you want. Day before, you before Avery goes to church, because you know he's a holy roller. He needs to be touched by the Spirit here. Yes, sing it, sing it. the beat you get to boogie on down to your pastor and your church with the mighty whitey the caucasian persuasion let's go the snow bro goes truly curtis lee the master mixer with broadway bill lee and avery in the house Sing it, Chaka. Chaka, 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 Chaka. 